Customers love options. Bike builders like options too. When you're looking for the highest quality plug-and-play lighting for your V-Twin, why not make the same choice as professional builders and make the switch to electric lighting? Electric lighting is the choice of builders like Dave Perowitz and Corey Ness. Even builders like myself have made the switch to electric lighting. Electric quality isn't just quality you can see. Electric quality is quality you can feel. Did I mention that electric lighting was the first manufacturer to offer a lifetime warranty on all LED turn signals? Visit your local independent motorcycle shop or online at www.namscustomcycleproducts.com. You're a craftsman, so you spend a little bit extra for tools made in the USA and guaranteed for life. Why should your workwear be any different? Let's face it, you work in some tough situations. You need tough workwear that works with you, not against you. 1620 Workwear builds the toughest, most comfortable workwear right here in the USA. The science is in the fabric, from fit and finish to comfort. 1620 Workwear has a fit for almost any environment, no matter your trade. 1620 Workwear is ready to go to work right away and needs no break-in period. It's also guaranteed for life. Visit www.1620usa.com or follow on Instagram at 1620USA. 1620 Workwear, American-made and guaranteed for life. Hey there, Garage Build Podcast listeners. I want to talk to you today about a product that I use every single day. It's products from Fix Your Lid, and they make grooming products right here in the United States of America. And their most important claim is they source every one of their raw materials in the United States, even down to the boxes they arrive in. Basically, if it's made in another country, they will refuse it, even if that means spending significantly more money to do so. They make shampoos, conditioners, pomades, and hair gels, and I personally use the shampoo, conditioner, and pomade every single day. Most of their products are also available in a trial size or if you want a smaller travel size, if you will. And you can buy these products at any Target store or online at Target.com. You can follow them on Instagram at FixYourLid, and I recommend them. I use them. And I hope you will too. Hello and welcome back to the Helen Wheels Garage Built Podcast. I am your host, Jason Hallman. Thank you for joining me once again. Today I sat down with Scott Hendricks from Hendricks Built. Uh, he's here in Polk County, Florida. He's a motorcycle builder. Been doing it for a lot of years. It took us a minute to get him out of his shell, but I, we chopped it up for a few hours. And towards the end, you can hear him kind of loosen up a little bit. We actually had to record three different segments to get him going i had to lube him up with some uh some crown royal and some pizza uh we're also working on a few more sponsors and so i wanted to share something very special with you if you are looking for high quality workwear that is made in the usa with made in the usa fabrics go to www.1620workwear.com they have all weather pants all weather shorts hoodies all the stuff that they make is made here in the united states not just sewn here in the united states but actually made with fabrics that are sourced here in the united states it's very important to the team over at 1620 and if you use the discount code speed metal all capitals you'll get 20 percent off your order and they'll know that you heard about them here 
You can follow them on Instagram at 1620USA or check out their website at 1620workwear.com. We are in the Sturgis Rush. I am one week away from pulling out of Lakeland, Florida and heading to Abilene, Texas to pick up Cody from Whoville Speed and Custom, who we will be podcasting with while we are in Sturgis. We're also going to sit down with Boosted Brad from Death Metal Racing. I'm hoping to get James Carter from Bitch and Stitching on here. Going to try to wrangle a couple of more interviews with some industry people that I don't get a lot of FaceTime with and um, see if we can't rope people in. I did want to share something else with you, too. If you don't use a communicator and you wear a full face or a half helmet, I'm going to recommend that you look into Lexan. Their Lexan FT4 Pro is what I use on my own helmet. It fits great. It's got an FM receiver. It's got an SOS light, a headlight, and it communicates uh, well with my phone. In fact, I want to play something here for you real quick. You can hear... Uh, I got a phone call from Mark over at Lexan Moto, and he wants to tell you about a new product they have coming up and where you can find them online. And without further ado. Hey, this is Mark from Lexan. Just returning your phone call. Wanted to catch you up to speed on some, some of our new stuff. The Lexan Wireless Charger is now going to be offering a bundle kit with a Ram X grip for your cell phone now. So now. You can make one easy purchase and have everything you need to be able to wirelessly charge on the go. And something else new we've been working on is that we wanted to help people make a jump to a worthwhile Bluetooth intercom system. So we're going to launch a buyback program. The idea is, is that you'll mail us in your old Bluetooth intercom system, broken or not, as long as it was a retail value of over 100 bucks. We're going to email you a one-time, deeply discounted code so you can pick yourself up a brand new FT4 Pro. We got a couple more things in the works for 2021, but I'll call you back later and talk to you about that then. Have a good day, man. Take care. So you heard it right from Mark at Lexan Moto. Check them out online at LexanMoto.com or follow them on Instagram at Lexan Moto. Also, something I should point out, that was recorded using a Lexan FT4 Pro, so you hear how clear it is. Uh, this is the one that I use. I got turned on to him by Jace Hudson from the Fast Life Garage podcast. It's the one he uses. They do not sponsor me. I am a retailer here at Cycle Stop USA, but I wanted to share that with you, that they have a high-quality product that we stand behind here because I use it, and just like anything else that I promote, it's something that I use. So without further ado, I give you Scott Hendricks from Hendrick Built Customs here in Polk County. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Ginger ale and then uh, I'll go with ginger ale. Let's do ginger ale. 
You know what? I like I like your hat that doesn't have the uh, it doesn't have. I bought my, the last uh, the last run of hats I did before I did those. I did Richardson uh, snapbacks, but they did the flat bills, and I look like a bozo with a flat bill on. So yeah, you just get yourself comfortable and yeah, man, this hat's bitching. Thank you so much. It's got a nice curve on it. Oh, it's the best hat. Right? <laughs> they, your logo's bitching too. You like it? Yeah, yeah, I like it a lot. You know, it's not like, um, I don't know, that's, that's one of the things I, I kind of wanted to touch on. I, I didn't want to talk too much before before the podcast because... Um, this is going to be fun. Yeah, it, it always is, dude. I uh, I was telling somebody, um, I, don't, I think it was the last podcast I did, I was talking about uh, <laughs> a little bit of crown. You want, you want some soda with your crown? <laughs> I was talking with somebody in the last podcast that I did. I went from... Uh, hearing Joe Rogan's podcast, right? And then, like a week later, I had a I had a podcast outfit, and I was recording stuff. And my buddy and I started a podcast called um, The Bottom Feed. So you've been doing this for a while. Uh, uh, since uh, the winter, my first podcast was in 2011, but it wasn't a motorcycle podcast. Right. It was a fucking believe it or not, it was a political podcast. And it wasn't from a point of view of, it was from an idiot's point of view. That's why I called it the bottom feed. And like all of the people that listen to it, we're their bottom feeders. Because we're, you know, we're just a bunch of idiots. We don't know what we're doing. You know, we're watching the news. I had a guy that was working with me uh, at the time that he ended up, uh, he was just, he would come to work every day with, with more shit and plenty of stuff to talk about. And I'm an idiot, so it worked good. <laughs> so first things first, why don't you tell everybody who you are? This is uh, Scott Hendricks with Hendricks Built Customs. And where are you based out of? Polk County. It's funny. People from Polk County don't say the L. Don't say the L. That's right. So if you say Polk County. It's P-O-K-E. I know that you're from Polk County if you say Polk. You know I'm a local. You are. And then uh, if where you live, Winter Haven. There's no T in it. W-I-N. Oh, like winter. Like we, a bunch of haven. It's full of winners. Winter. We're, we're winners over here. Winter haven? No, winner. <laughs> winter winter haven. haven, right? I'm a winner. Right? <laughs> Winning. <laughs> so I've known you now for, I think, uh, a year or two, but I just found out that you have a Dixon flannel problem. I do. Is that your, is that like, is that's as good a place as any to start off? Great. Um, <laughs> You have 30 of them? You have to have one of every one then. No, not every one, but I have a few. What? So uh, my buddy Daryl calls them the Pokemon for, for bikers. You know, you got to have every one of them. I only got like eight. I got like 30. Did you see that? Uh, you know who Jeff Holt is, right? Yes. Jeff Holt's got his own coming out. I saw that. It's gonna be, but you can only buy them in Sturgis. I saw that. It was so funny when we did, he and I did a podcast, uh, I want to say last month or the month before. It was sometime during the all the COVID quarantine stuff and uh he was like during the podcast we were we were doing it on uh on facetime and he held up he held up one of them like 
oh and showed me. He's like, Shh, don't tell nobody. So I was like, cool. I'm like, I want an extra large. <laughs> so he's like, no problem. You're good to go. Put so one in on old. So you've been building bikes now for quite some time. I didn't even, you know, it's funny to me when I run into people <clears throat> that I should have run into a long time ago, and it's just a good fit, and we get along well and right out of the gate. Right. So why don't you tell me a little bit about your, your motorcycle background? Um, I've been riding since I was five, so dirt bikes, stuff like that. And then coming into the late 90s, you know, all these custom bikes started coming out. And uh, it's like, man, I can do this. Couldn't right. afford anybody else's. So yeah, Many people were that way. And I just started doing it. And my brother started me out because I was going through a divorce. And he said, here's a, here's a basket case. Stay busy. He what was it? It's the first one I built, and it was uh, just a frame off eBay. I don't know who had, who it was, and then it had a Evo motor, pan head transmission, shovel head primary. I mean, it was all kind. Of, it was a hodgepodge of stuff, right? You know, pan top transmission, and we just pieced stuff together. And he told me what he wanted, and I did what I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "I want this oil tank." I'm like, "Okay," goes in the bin. This is the this is that's the the nature of of this, right? At some point in time. I try to tell customers, it's like, look, if I'm building you a bike, it's not your bike. You know, you own it, you're gonna pay for it. But I mean, if you want me to, if 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 you want to build it, go ahead and build it, right? Right. But if you want me to build it, then you must be here for a fucking reason, <laughs> right? Right. I mean, you know, let's be honest. They come here and they they say, I want this done, this done, this done, and uh, that's not gonna work. That's not gonna fit. Oh, they don't understand. Most people don't. Under, I'd say it backed up. Quite a few people don't understand that. Do you do you do you do stuff? You do commission builds for people, right? Right. You do it on the side. Your normal your 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 regular day to day vocation is what? Home inspector. For new homes, for sales, uh, what do you, what's? No, for sales. So let's say you move to Lakeland, and then you you hire a home inspector to go through the house and do a visual and operational inspection on the house: roof, attic, plumbing, AC. Just it's just a general guide to what you're buying. Right, and so, that's so my mainstay. That, that's got to be somewhat of a high-pressure thing yes. situation. Because everybody, when I first started this 15 years ago, they were, <clears throat> it was, it was a lot easier. Mm -hmm. Now everybody's a nervous, nervous to death about buying a house. What are they afraid of? Stuff that breaks. I think a lot of people go into buying houses with no savings. You know, I got a roof leak. What am I do? Call a roofer. Right. You know, we're not a warranty service. Gotcha. But uh, but the bikes takes that pressure off. <laughs> how often do you find yourself? How how often are you able to make time for your garage? Not lately at all. Really? Uh, is that due to just an an overload of work yes. or what? And the really? heat. And the heat. Well, okay. Attics are like 150 degrees. So you're going you're going up in the attic during the day searching on how many how many inspections you're doing a week? Two to three a day. Really? Yeah. So okay. your average is about you know 300. Okay. And then I did one the other day that was 600, and it was uh, it was 5,000 square feet. So biggest I've done is 20,000 square feet. Really? Yeah. And, that, and you do that by yourself? No, we had I was going to say, that's got to be a team, right? Team, and it took us five hours, so that's 15 man hours. Whose house was that? Uh, it was in Bay Hill. And it was 20,000 square feet. Supposedly it was a guy had to do with the e-cigarette. Bought, <laughs> bought it for $5 million and then gutted it. Isn't that amazing? Why'd you have me come out there? <laughs> I'll take your money, but whatever. 
So how many bikes do you build at a time or, you know, what is the process of, of what do you go through? Like some people, some people start at the back of the bike, move their way forward. Some people sit down and, and plan on everything. I, I can't Some people draw. drive. Okay. So I was just, that was the next I thing. I can't draw worth a shit. No, so I can't draw a stick figure drawing a stick figure. Yes. So it's, it's um, an idea from the person and then I start with a frame and I go out. Okay. So I also ask them for a little bit of input and I try to fit the bike to them. What level of build do you do in-house? Like, walk me through a build as far as, tell me what your, pro I mean, you know, I, there's things I job out, right? There's things, are there things you job out? Um, paint. Well, this is my dad paints it, so. <laughs> so nothing. Do you pay him? No. <laughs> I help him around his property. Okay, so there's a, some quid pro quo there where right. you go back and forth on right. that. Right. right. So it's, uh, um, they don't really farm out anything. So you do your own engine work? You do your own all that stuff? I have don't do that. I do I don't do engine work. Do you okay, so when you're when I'll you're bring building it to a bike cycle stop. <laughs> when you're we appreciate that. When you're building a bike, are you sitting down like is there are most of your bikes where you're taking a bike that somebody's already riding and you're customizing it or are you taking a clean sheet of paper and ordering a crate engine from here and a transmission from here and a primary from here and making all of those parts work together in unison or what's the what's the, the the main process yes to all those okay i've so done i've done it each way um so the first one was a basket case just right. a hodgepodge of stuff that we didn't use but a few things and i we got other things you know swap meets stuff right. like that then after that uh, that green and white bike you've seen yes that was my first Harley. Okay. And I've redone it seven times. What year is that? It's, uh, 2000. Okay. So it's twin cam. No, Evo. Sportster? No, the Evo Softail. That would have been 99 then. 2000 was the first year but for the... But its title is a 2000 ASPT. Oh, it's ASPT. So it's I, I got you. I got you. How's the Harley drivetrain? Okay. When you said 2000 Softail, I was thinking that would be like a B motor. And I'm like, okay, that's... No, it's ASPT. Okay. Um... No, we were talking about your first the crown. Well, it's already. <laughs> I think you need to just slam that whole thing a crown. <laughs> okay. Um, so no, what I'm talking about is like uh, you were talking about that it was a 2000. You built it in 2000. The green and white bike, Redid right? That's yours. You've already done it seven times. Yes, that was my guinea pig. So I would, if I had any ideas, I would just redo that one. Right. I, I used to do it around hurricane season. So, it so you, it, where it rains every day from 3 o'clock to, yeah. to 6 o'clock, right? Right. We got you. And then my friend Scott, who came in here, right. bought the oil. His bike was a ground-up. And he had a 98 Buell, 99 Buell. All we used was a motor. Yeah, I mean, that bike, there's a few people that have done some cool stuff with those Buells. But I find them to be... Oh. Uh, Redneck made a frame for a while that yes. like worked around a Buell motor. And, and I'll be honest with you, the only person I've ever seen do anything with a real Buell engine that was worth a shit was uh, Paul from Bare Knuckle did a really cool bike called Hell in a Handbasket. And I think Brian from TPJ also did a, a Buell motor-based right. uh, chopper of some sort that was that was tasteful. Yes. You know, his stuff is all real tasteful stuff. TPJ? Yeah. Yes, Brian's much. stuff is, <clears throat> it's funny. Brian and I have a lot of mutual friends, but I wouldn't know Brian if he walked up to me. I wouldn't know him from Adam. 
uh, I just know who he is through through you know through the industry and through mutual fan, friends and stuff. So, but all of his I've seen his bikes. But it's funny. He's kind of like Batman online. He doesn't he doesn't post pictures of himself no. or his family or anything. Which no. it's all business, which is cool. I appreciate that. There's other people who do that too. I probably should do that a little bit more. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, hey, here. I I post too much online. I think sometimes. I don't know. I noticed, but that uh, by that Buell, we did a lead sled bike. Oh yeah, Pat's good dude. Did you do a whole frame or did you? Okay, six ups, four out, one of them kind of choppers, or did was it? What was the kind of? Was it three three? Okay. Thirty eight. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, Pat's a good dude. He built a lot of that that sports from the back. Yeah. That guy and I are, are kind of button heads right now. We're coming to the end of the project and you know, do you find this in your shop that um the scope people come in and check progress, right? You know, they want to see progress on their bike and you want them to see progress and you want them to be happy with the progress that they see on their bike. And then they change things or add things or in that and then but Somehow that's lost on them that it costs more money and takes more time. Yes. So how do you deal with that? The one thing I deal with is some people just don't realize how long it takes if I don't do this every day. Right. I might have two hours a week. Right. You know, sometimes I get a good Saturday in, but that's it. So they just don't know the thought process. I mean, there's a lot of thinking that goes involved in trying to get the right lines. Right. You know? Yeah. It's you like wanna, you be creative up? right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm. I'm not in. You know, I'm. I'm not in that space right I, now. I right? uh, got a tattoo from this girl a long time, Missy, and I, was, I said, "Okay, I'm heading that way." And she goes, "I'm not feeling it today." I said, "Okay." Yeah. And I didn't understand. And then when you go to the bike lift to work, I'm not motivated today. I'm just not feeling it. And I right. go home. Sometimes yeah. you just. I said, "I get it, man." Yeah. She's an artist. Yeah, and I mean that's what they're paying us to do, right? Ultimately, like th- I'll, I'll I'll vent a little bit if I may. So this guy started out just wanted a hardtail on this Sportster. Well, then it was I just want a hardtail and this. Well, now I want a hardtail and this and that, and I want a hardtail this that and that, and so it ends up being a complete bike build. I mean, legit, hundred percent complete bike build from from the ground up. I was just gonna weld. Weld the hardtail on, and he was gonna he was gonna ride it out. Well, then he's like, "Well, I want a, wi- a wide rear tire." Okay, well, it's not gonna fit on your stock wheel. Well, I gotta buy a wheel. Yeah. Well, so now we're. I called him today. I haven't seen him in weeks because, I, I, to be honest with you, I kind of fucked him off the last time he came in. You know, I don't ask him for money every time he comes in. I don't do that to people. I ask them for money when it's time to order parts. That's when I ask people for money. Right. I ask people when, when it's when we're working on a project. I don't know how you do it, but when I'm working on a project and I get to the point where um, the first step, first step for me is we sit down and we figure out what do you want? What do we know you want? What is exactly what you know you want? You know, pick a couple things that you have to have. We'll find you know some some budget minded things on the other side of things. Like we make that list. We see what the parts cost. This is what I think the labor is going to be. I'll take half the labor and all of the parts, right? That gives me, I use your money to buy your parts, and that gives me enough money to kind of start working on it while the parts come in. Well, then you come back in and see where we're at for progress. If you change something on parts, I get 100% of that parts money, and I'm going to want another, I'm going to want another labor deposit because you've just changed the scope of the job, right? Ultimately, if a, in a perfect world, if I knew every part that was going to be on a bike, 
I would get all the parts, half the labor. You'd come in when it goes out for paint, powder coat, and chrome. I'd get another quarter of the labor, and then when it's done, I think that's our dinner. This is the rudest I've ever been on a podcast, but I we have to eat. I have eaten nothing all, right. all day. I ate, right well, now. I take that back. I had a protein. No, we're fine. We're gonna we can keep it rolling or whatever. Mom did not fuck around. <laughs> that's how my mom was too. Oh, just dude here, just sitting in this. We're not that fancy yet. We're trying to get more fancy. Oh fuck. We're recording again. <clears throat> I like these little, these little inanimate recordings where we're coming back in. So if you're if you're still listening, uh, that last little little bit, we we had some Papa John's come in. I haven't eaten all day, and I know it's extremely rude, but to be honest with you, those of you listening to the podcast, you didn't even know we we're excuse me gone. You know what I mean? Because this is gonna skip right over. Oh, okay. <clears throat> it's not like they're listening to 15 minutes of jibber jabber jibber jabber which was actually some gold <laughs> you're like hey don't put that on the podcast don't put that on the podcast <laughs> no I that's what I was telling you is like the, uh, being almost 50 I was riding I, I'll give an example I was my daughter left work today early and she's like hey she goes uh she called when she left she's like hey there's somebody with a gsxr down at the end of the street broken down i think you should go down there and help him i'm like okay so i get on a motorcycle i ride down there and i'm, I'm riding down there in a full dresser like a 90 we've got this really nice clean bike back here that we just did some work on a 98 full dresser and i'm <clears throat> i'm riding i go down and help the guy whatever i'm riding back and you know the old fuel door that has like a dome on it mm-hmm. you can see yourself I looked down, I was like, Jesus Christ, dude, get some Grecian formula or something. What are you doing? I look all old. I used to have a bald head and a long red goatee. You did? You had a bald head? Yeah, I used to shave it. And then after my daughter was born, I started seeing more pictures of us. And I'm like, ooh, that looks bad. I'm just missing an orange jumpsuit and 10 numbers. <laughs> is that how many numbers it is? I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but you know what I'm talking I thought about. maybe you knew. I, I was like, oh, this is going to be a really good podcast. <laughs> we can talk about the time that Scott got 10 numbers in an orange jumpsuit. No, I, I'm talking about getting old. It's fucking bananas because, I like I was just telling you, when you're almost 40, it's a big difference between being almost 40 and being almost 50. Almost 40, you're like, I feel pretty fucking good. I'm almost 40 and I still feel this good. Look in the mirror, I'm like, yeah, I look pretty good. Still got it. I got all my hair. You know, it's not all gray yet. I still, you know, I've never been a fat guy, but I've always had like a little bit of a gut kind of thing. But I'm like, you know, I can, I can, I've been telling myself for the last 25 years, look, you have a little bit of a gut. If you really want to get rid of it, just, you can always do some sit-ups. And I'm like, you know what? I can. I can always do some stuff, so I don't worry about having a gut. <laughs> so <laughs> but, no sit-ups. But now, no, I don't do sit-ups either, but I've still only got a little bit of a gut, so I'm still telling myself, hey, you know what? Everything's okay. Your BMI is not that out of control. That's you it. can still do a little sit-ups. <laughs> so it didn't hit me the other day until my friends have a Pull the mic up. <clears throat> right there. Yeah, just just somewhere kind of like I said, where you're wherever you're comfortable, <laughs> you know, somewhere here. just somewhere in this in this area around your. So my, uh, a good friend of mine, Rob, has a paint body shop in mm-hmm. Hunter Haven. So if I'm over there, I always stop in and bullshit between inspections. And his mom is there, and it's kind of like the Tuttles. 
Right. They're yelling at each, each other, other and shit. It's, yeah. it's two boys and two parents that run it. <clears throat> it's quite amusing, unless you're them. Right, I'm sure. It's not amusing. <laughs> so uh, she's, I come in on a Monday to give him some stuff because they were painting my saddlebags. I got some new saddlebags for the road king. Right. <clears throat> and uh, she goes, oh, boy, 930, you're already fucking here. And I went, I just got to drop some stuff off. And after I left, Rob goes, Ma, fuck you doing? He's 50 years old. Don't fucking talk to my friends that way. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I, but then you know, it kind of hit me. I'm like, oh, is the other hand 50? Yeah, right? Yeah, he didn't. That's a, it's like we're going through some weird fucking geriatric puberty. It's like, you know, I'm like, what is going on? Like, I've, <laughs> dude, my buddies are, I've got friends of mine that are like, dude, you need to go. You got to go join a gym. You got to work out. You know, you got to eat right. You got to this, you got to that. You know, you got to do, you got to do everything. You know, you, you don't have to be like a meathead, but you got to work out. You got to do stuff, but vigorous. Right. I'm like, bitch, I probably walk 10 miles a day sweating my balls off at Cycle Stop USA, and I'm good. I'm good. You know what? These motherfuckers that are like my wife, my wife, God love her. You know, I don't know if you know this. You met Karen, right? Mm -hmm. She, you know, she was an Olympic athlete. No. So I married an Olympic athlete. I'm not an Olympic athlete, right? I don't know if you know that or not, but I'm not an Olympic athlete. Well, she is, was, was, she was. And she still, like, she does an hour and a half of yoga every night, you know, and she, you know, she, she drinks a beer, she'll drink some wine, but she's always, like, thinking about what she's eating, make sure she's eating healthy. I'm like, bitch, who are you trying to impress? The autopsy technician? I mean, when they cut you open, are you, are you going to be like, oh, my God, this is so nice in here. Look at everything's here. There's their pancreas. There's her lungs. I don't know why she died. She looks so nice in here. I'm like, bitch. when they open me up, I want them to be like, oh, what is this? Look like an episode of Hoarders. Like, is that a, is that a wrench? <laughs> Does this guy, he only has one kidney. Where's the other kidney at? You know what I mean? Uh, I work out. I work out a lot. So, and it's, if it wasn't for that and my, my wreck I had, it would have been a lot worse. Oh, okay. I, I, well, I remember when you had your wreck. Yeah. Broke my left shoulder blade, six ribs, punctured lung. My spleen was removed. Broke what does the spleen do? It filters your blood. It's part of your immune system. Okay. So I don't have a spleen. So when I do the autopsy... <laughs> This cat ain't got no spleen. Right? So, and I went to my buddy's gym, and he helped uh, rehab me. Right. He goes, you know you're crooked. Am I? Yeah, you're leaning to the left. I thought that was just your Winter Haven, <laughs> the Winter Haven walk. Oh, bitch, that's my swag. <laughs> oh, bitch, nah. <laughs> nah, bitch. I'm from Winter Haven. <laughs> from Polk County. <laughs> oh, God. No, I, you know, I slept on my arm wrong and couldn't fucking move it for about three days. I'm like, I'm, I slept on it wrong and couldn't move it for three days. If I lift a bunch of weights, you gotta start light. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'm just trying to find more. Hey, listen, I can always start doing sit-ups. I still got a little bit of a belly. (laughs) I'm good. Dude, if I could cut out, if I could cut out pizza and beer, I'd probably be. Do it for 30 days. Svelte. You know, and I'm worried about the. Oh, I'm so rude. My the the host of the show is got yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> God damn it. This is gonna be the best and worst podcast all at the same time. <laughs> Only if one of us throws up. The the most unprofessional podcast I've ever done. No, I'm just kidding. Um I don't remember what, exactly what I was saying, but I I'm not I'm I'm still <clears throat> convinced that uh oh, the carb thing. If you stop the carbs, don't you get angry? Yeah. So, so it, it's, how do you curb that? Portion, you just get used to it? Portion controls. 
I don't cut the cards because I need it because I walk a lot too. Yeah. For my job. See, that's why I thought you were younger than me because you don't look older than me. Because you probably because you do portion control and, and, work, and out. work out. Where do you? Okay, so where do you work out at? <laughs> it used to be Golds. Now it's just Move. Is that the one over here? South down the uh, South Florida at well, the, the toll road. There's four. It's uh, North Lakeland, South Lakeland, Winter Haven, two locations. Okay, so you go to the one obviously in Winter Haven yes, by you, right? Like, well, it depends on where I'm at that day. So. Gotcha. And then sometimes I'll go to Scott's gym. You know, I'll stop in there. Gotcha. Out, just wherever I'm at. I have like, like two hours, two and a half hours between inspections to either for drive time, lunch, working out, what it run errands. Okay. So that's when I do it. <clears throat> so is that is your company owned by you or? No, my cousin. Your cousin. Okay. So. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Let's get back to what we, we were talking prior to prior to the break. Before we went to the break, <laughs> sound like radio, right? right? WJSN Radio. I'm your host, Jason Hallman. We're going to kick off another half-hour oldies set on the Oldies FM. <laughs> I'm here with my friend Scott Hendricks. Hey, Scott, how's it going? <laughs> Tell me another one. Oh. <laughs> I've got I got sound drops, dog. <laughs> I remember that video too. That shit was crazy. Oh god, that's one of my favorites. That's one of my favorites. So I've got this board. I can program all that stuff. That's the only one I programmed. The rest of them are all just like what came with it. Oh. Like uh, the, you have like an applause track and all the other things. But right. no, we were talking about the bike that you had redone seven times. The the it's green and white now. Yes. So, and then you were talking. You never finished talking about the first one that you built. That was for your brother. Yes. Okay. So he basically gave you a basket case and here, case. make yes. this right. That was your first divorce. Yes, and my last, I hope. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure. <laughs> Some people collect them. I don't know. They're like they're like uh, Pokemon for adults. Know, they're make like Dixon flannels. <laughs> uh, seven times. Right. One time for just three days. You were married for three days? Oh, I have a friend who says he was married for a cup of coffee. These are, these are stories I hear from people. Oh, yeah. Dude, I don't understand. I, I understand why some people get divorced. I don't understand why some people get married. <laughs> some people are like, why would anybody marry that? It's like, you married a rattlesnake. Or, or get divorced and then marry the same girl again. I've seen that. I have to. That's and a, it never works. Uh, you, it never works when they do that. Like, I've seen people get divorced and then get remarried for, like, weird, like, financial reasons, you know, where they never they never separate. It's just really, like, on paper. Right. But I have never, you're right, I have never seen anybody get divorced from the person that, it's like, you ever, when you're in high school, did you ever date a girl and then you break up because of some silly shit? And then you, like, you run into each other at a party, and you're like, oh, my God, like, I totally forgot that we totally get along. Like, I knew everything about you, you know? And you start dating her again, and then you go out to do one thing, and the first time you're going to go do something with your boys, and you're like, you know, she rears her ugly head again, you're like, Aah! you're like, oh, I remember why I broke up with this bitch. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, I do know what that is. Yeah, exactly. We've all been there. <clears throat> so getting back to this is a motorcycle podcast, believe it or not. It's only tonight by virtue of being in a motorcycle shop. Right. <laughs> we are going off the rails yeah, tonight. Everywhere. Everybody has one of these. Everyone that does a podcast has a podcast that they did where they went off the rails where they're like, the next podcast they do, they're like, hey, I just want to let everybody know I'm really sorry about that one. Oh, no. <laughs> sorry. Be sorry about this one. That's a yeah. good one. Right? 
So back '99, you started building bikes. You built a bike for your brother, and that was just kind of then you then you bought a bike for yourself, or what was the deal? Uh, I already had mine, and we okay. could do it. So when people saw his friends, right, they would they brought me a bike? Hey man, what can you do with this? Right. So my friend uh, BJ brought me a '72 Ironhead <laughs> that his father-in-law bought brand new, but he, uh, pa- he passed. Okay. Left it to his, but he said. Uh, he said, come get this bike before he passed away. I want you to have it. We went and got it. He said, I wish I would have took pictures of it because it was laying in the backyard pota- with potato vines growing through it. Really? Yeah. And, and so that's the one that you did all the engine work to, too, right? Yes. That's the bad part about Ironheads is I happen to like Ironheads. <clears throat> I, ha- I have a 69. They're not any less expensive to rebuild than a shovel head. Sometimes I'll, f- I'll find out when I bring you the motor. <laughs> to, yeah. To do. We're doing a 69. You have a 69 XLCH, right? Is it kick only? Yes. Well, it has a starter, but I'm not going to leave it. I'm going to take it. So it's XLC. Yeah. Yeah. 900? Yeah, there were 900s. The distributor off the can? Yep. 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 And then they went to 1,000, and then with 1,100, and then 883 and 1,200. So he brought me that, and then it turned out pretty good. Hardtail the frame, made it a jockey shift. Right. Kept the drum brakes. He said... So jockey shift on a 72, that's still right side shift. How Are you using, are you using the, the jack shaft on it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so it, it went from, from behind you, went down. Proper jockey shift. Transferred over gotcha. to the, the right side shift. Cable operated clutch? Yes. Foot clutch. Foot clutch. Cool. Yeah. So um, it was fun. And then he brought me another one, uh, 99 Dyna. Another one? Good choice. Wide glide or? Wide glide. Yeah. All I kept was the frame and the motor. <clears throat> and right. I did everything else. And I made my own handlebars, uh, put a sport, uh, sportsman front end on it. Okay. Cut the uh, tunnel out of that tank and then put it in a sportster tank. Oh, I got what you're saying. Okay, yeah, because it, the 99 Dyna's got a square backbone. Yes. Mm-hmm. I talked to Jeff Cochran one day. I showed him. He said, man, that's a good-looking bike. And he goes, what would you do with that ugly-ass backbone? I go, I kept it. He goes, ah, not me. I took that shit out. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I left it. It has good lines. And then where it comes back, mm-hmm. it's got that plate yep. that goes to the those tubes in the back. Mm-hmm. And I cut all that out. And I started looking at it. I'm like, oh, shit. I think I cut out too much. Because and you said you hardtailed that? No. No, you, you left that, it sprung? Left it, yep. Cause, and those pieces that come up also connect to the shocks. Yep. I'm like, man, I think that should have left that. So I made these cool gussets that go beneath the seat and match the curve of the seat. So a happy accident, really. Yes. I mean, that kind of stuff. Um, those are the kinds of things where I think there's two. Okay, so you said earlier you talked about <coughs> walking out to your hoist and you're just not feeling it today. That happens. Sometimes you go out there and you are feeling it. And sometimes magic happens. Yes. And then you end up with stuff, you know, that, that's not, not looking like anything else that anybody's done. But somehow it helps, like, kind of create a flavor around what you do. Yeah, once the, if, it, if the, the moment's going, the flow's going, you just keep on. Like, sometimes I'd be out there till midnight. I'm like, shit, I gotta go home. Right. No, so your shop's not at your house? No, it's my dad's place. How far is that? Uh, probably 20 minutes from the house. Okay, so it's good a little bit of ride. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a big place, big shop, you know, three sets of tools. Right. I got no overhead. Yeah, that's a good thing. I know a lot about about overhead. He's by himself, so he likes me being there. Sure. Yeah, helping yep. lift things. Like I tell people, I'm not real smart, but I can lift heavy things. Right. Is he still a uh, Is he still a drag racer and no. still into that? Well, I mean, is he once a drag racer, always a drag racer, right? Is he no. not into that at no. all? No, he got out a long time ago. 
Did he? He was did uh, framework, bodywork, paintwork. That's okay. What he, that's what he did my whole life. Retired now? He's retired. No, cool. He's just working around the shop, his place. That's he, cool. He doesn't, uh, he, he, that was funny, is he would bust my balls about building bikes. Why are you doing it like that? Because it's cool. <laughs> well, cool don't always work. Well, we're going to find out, aren't we? Right. Uh, we would get in fights, too. And things. If I build a bike like you want, it'd look like a stock bike. <clears throat> well, and there's, there's, some, there's something to that, right? Like, uh, I worked with my dad from 03 to 18, so I had a good 15-year run of working with my dad. And it was some of the nastiest fights we'd ever had. And I thought we had some good ones when I was a teenager because I was a twat. Um, <laughs> some of the best fights we ever had were while, while we worked together. Pass me that. Pass me that. That velvet bottle with the crown royal in it. Um, my dad just—he never. But you know what? He never ever. Um, he never interrupted what we were doing on a custom motorcycle. You know, he would add his his touch here and there where he wanted to, and we welcomed it. But my dad was never, never ever in in a in a in a mind frame, a frame of mind where he would tell us, no, that's, that's dumb or this is going to work, whatever. I mean, <clears throat> and not even, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, we, we're, we're thankful, knock on wood, that we haven't had like a, a critical failure where something broke, you know what I mean? But my dad was, he was always really open to that, and I appreciated that, you know? He has uh, done a lot for me as in showing me shortcuts and things that he's learned. I've learned that from him, but it's just when I, my creativity, he would, just bust me on it. Why are you doing it like that? And then when it's done, I've gotten one compliment from him. He's a hard sell. Yeah? What was the compliment? You had to remember that. This this last one. That eh, turned out pretty cool. That's it? Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Well, hey, man, take it take it when you can get it. <laughs> That's you know what I mean? I told my brother that. He goes, what? He really said it? I am. Is your brother into bikes still? Yes. Yeah, he's got four. Uh, Dad's got five. Yeah, we all Harleys? All Harleys. Yeah. How many you got? Three. What do you got? You know, you got the Road King. You got the, the green and white soft tail. And what's the, the other one's a 69. Right. Right on. What are you going to do with that one? <clears throat> Let's talk about that one for a minute. I've hardtailed the frame, and that's as far as I got. Motors and pieces. And then I talked to Brian Butera about building me a frame, and he said, I'm on. So yeah. <clears throat> I'd really like to do something different with this one. Brian's building the frame for that shovel head I showed He's you. He's badass. Oh, dude. We're going over there tomorrow night for dinner. He's just, he's one of those dudes that... When you first meet him, you don't realize, I mean, he's not, he's very social, but he's, he's, he's quiet and mm -hmm. concerted and doesn't say much and you know what I mean? And that's, that's good with him. So it doesn't matter if it's good with anybody else, right. but it's fun to have him on. I had him on the podcast. It was one of the best podcasts I, I ever one. had. It was a good one. He, he really <clears throat> very, he, he, he come, you know, when you meet him, he's, he's not an aw shucks guy. I've met some guys that are like real aw shucks. Like, ah, oh, you know, I just kind of do that. He's not all shucks at all. He knows that he's talented. He knows what he does. He knows what he does as good as anybody knows what they do. You know, the, you know what I mean by that? Right. Right. So if he does something, he's doing it the highest level that he can do it. He come out swinging. Oh, yeah, he does come out swinging, yeah. And his bikes are amazing. Yes. And he's got two of them, <laughs> you know, for all intents and purposes. I know there was some, he said a long time ago, him and his dad tried doing something together or whatever. It didn't work, but... The two choppers that he built, I mean, are arguably two of the nicest that's, choppers been built in the last the five years. First ones he's did in what fifteen years since yeah. he did it. So he yeah. he come out swinging. Yeah, and he you know he he's somebody that really he implores a lot of people in his builds, and I and I respect that about him. Some guys really do. I'm I have to do that. 
you know, I'm not a painter. You know, I can fabricate to a certain extent, um, but I'm a fan, and that's my that's probably my biggest toxic trait as somebody on this side of the business is I'm such a fucking fan. You know what I mean? Right. I love looking at other people's work. Oh, I, do. I You know what I mean? I, I love motorcycles. I love motorcycles too, especially choppers. I mean, I'm a chopper guy, and when I go to like when I go to Sturgis, I'm I'll be riding my stock Dyna and not even thinking about me having something or me building something. You know what I mean? I want to look at everybody else's shit. I, I just love it. I like. I want to go to Sturgis, so yeah, I have to do that with you one year. Yeah, you're gonna have to go with us. She go in 2021 for the 81st. Sounds good to me. Right? We'll drive from here, go to Texas, get Cody, roll up that way. Um, <clears throat> you said you were, you went to Sturgis in 15. You told me. <laughs> so you went up to, went up to Sturgis for, for in 2015. Did you go the whole time? Uh, uh, for the most part. So that was a ride. You're going up there. You guys are going ride. You go to the Black Hills. You get your picture taken in front of Mount Rushmore. Did all the tourist shit, or when when you go there, what's what's your what's your mo? Well, I had no idea. I've never been out there. Right. So my brother had been out there. So we just rode and rode and rode. And what's funny is we were coming from. Uh, he was on his weather map. Right. And he goes, dude, there's a storm coming. We got to get back to camp. It's just a storm. Storms out here bring hail. Yeah. So. He said, it shows right here, this road goes straight into where we need to go from Rapid City. I know so, what you're going to tell me. 30 miles of gravel. Yep, I was just going to say, yeah, there <laughs> so, are gravel. There's some legit gravel roads so out there. So we were going on that road 30 freaking miles. Did you make it? Yes. Before the storm? Before the storm. What were you all saying? In? What's the campground across? It was uh, right, right behind uh, the Beaver Bar. I can't remember the name of it. The Beaver Bar. Yeah, so was it the Iron Horse, the Buffalo Chip? Across from that. Full throttle. Huh. I don't know. Across from that. I don't know where the beaver bar is. I think it was just a temporary setup. So you're you're in Rapid City? You guys are staying in Rapid City? No. You're staying in Sturgis. You were in Rapid City when when that happened. Right. So we're going on this road. Like, is it ever going to end? And there is nothing out there where we were. Isn't that amazing? Nothing. I mean, that's such a... People... Very few people can explain that in in a visceral level where you can describe it. I mean, describe that ride. Describe the, the what you see when you're... Because a lot of people, that they, they have bucket lists, and going to Sturgis is a bucket list for a lot of motorcycle guys and a lot of bikers that, that just for one one reason or another, have never made it there. Explain that ride. On the gravel? Yeah, I mean, just the whole thing, knowing that you had to get there at a certain time because you had this thing happening and, you know... Sketchy, ass puckered, and you're doing as fast as you can down the gravel, and the whole time... You know, your front end squiggly on this gravel. And then my brother and his girlfriend stopped. They get in a fight, and I said, I'll see you two at the hard road. And I left them. And then Ray's jumping behind me, wait for me. And we're hauling ass Who's down. Ray? Andy and Ray, a buddy of mine from okay. Winter Haven. So uh, <coughs> we get to the hard road, and there's four couples on baggers. And they're looking at me, and I get off the bike, and I stretch in my back, and they go, does that, does that go to Rapid City? I said, yeah. How long a gravel? 30 miles. He goes, are you going to go? He goes, fuck no. Girls put on the rain gear. We're going through the storm. <laughs> they wouldn't do it. Let me tell you something, dude. I was in, uh, <clears throat> in 2008, I was in Sturgis. And so the road you're talking about goes into Lizelle, right, and ends. And you can either go left or right. Right. Okay. So when you go right, there's a gas station there. And behind the gas station is this tent that Michael Lichter used to have his exhibit in, right? Have you ever been to the Lichter exhibit? I don't think so. See, that's a th- that's that's what I try to tell people. It's like you know, 
I get a lot of shit from people. Well, you don't ride when you go out there? I'm like, dude, when I go out there, it's a high school reunion for me for all intents and purposes because my best friends don't live by me, right? So I go out there, and we're in this tent. And this tent is, I don't know, 200 feet wide by 400 feet long. If it's if it's half that size, it's at least that. I mean, it's massive, dude. There's a bar in it and a, a club, and but it's a tent. Right. And all of a sudden, dude, they're like, we need everybody in this corner. And like 300 people huddle in this corner. And this storm comes through. And let me tell you, son, the hail hitting the, the tent and the wind blowing and all. I mean, man, you know, I wasn't scared. But, I mean, you're definitely sitting there like, holy shit. And tornadoes can pop up out of nowhere. And it's, it's an amazing place. That was a lesson we learned. And that night... We got back to the camp, and the tent got trashed. So you're staying in a tent? In a tent. Ugh. And we were roughing it. Oof. And we stayed in a tent, and then the hail hit, ripped the tent, and I'm sleeping, and rain started hitting me in the face. I woke up. I'm like, shit. There's like four inches of water in the tent. Are you sleeping on the ground or in an air mattress, air mattress. or something? Yeah. That's why the water didn't hit me right away. So I put my feet down. I was right in the water. I was like, fuck. Went to the trailer, put everything in the trailer, and slept in that 40-foot gooseneck for a week. Dude. Diamond plate. But, I mean, you had an air mattress, though, right? No, I just put down some quilts. Air mattress popped. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That sounds horrible. That was rough. <clears throat> it was rough. It was a good time, though. You know what, though? Here's the thing I always tell people. Remember that time we went and did that thing and nothing happened? Oh, it makes Neither for great, do I. It makes for great stories. It does. I mean, you're there in the throes of it, you know, drinking a little bit extra beer. You know what I mean? Having a little bit of a good time. Do you know when you come out of, is it the Black Hills or the, the Badlands? Okay. So the, there's a main road, and we went right, and there's a small town. Have you ever seen that? I, dude, I've never been. I'm, I'm going to sound like a complete asshole here. I've never been in the Badlands. I've never been to Mount Rushmore. I've never been to any of it. It's I fun. went to Deadwood one time. Oh, yeah, we're going this year. This year we're definitely. We've decided that with all the COVID bullshit going on, we don't want to deal with getting thrown out of places because we don't have a fucking mask. We don't have this. We don't have that. So we're just going to ride. We, you know, we run a house. I'm a prima donna. I have to have air conditioning when I sleep. I have to have a shower every night. Well, it's 50 degrees at night there. Especially. I know, but I mean, I, I've got to be comfortable. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I have to be comfortable. I was sleeping on a donna plate. That was good. No, not me. Not this kid. Not at, not at almost 50. <laughs> but I'm, when I went the first time, I was, I was 35 the first time I went. It was, you know, almost 40. And so it was a lot different. A lot different. But we we rented a house then too. I've never, I've never gone to Sturgis without having a house. Yeah, I'd love to go to you one year. It sounds like a lot. It's of fun. fun, dude. But it's go fun. with you because you know a shit ton of people. Yeah, I find myself in a, lots of weird circles. You know where I just happen to. It's there's not a whole lot of places I tell people all the time. This is the smallest billion dollar industry I can think of. You know we we pretty much know everybody. Uh, the guys I hang out with, we have a good time. We have a good group of people that go. We have a good time every time, you know. So, but I, I'm not a camper. I'm not camping. I'm. A, I don't. You know what I mean? Well, that was the only way we went. And I told sure. my wife, I said, "You want to go?" She goes, "Are you camping?" I'm like, "Yeah." She goes, "All right, I'll see you when you get back." Really? <laughs> True story. Your wife, you have now? Yeah, she was. We weren't married at the time. <laughs> and uh, she goes, yeah, "I'll see you when you get back." <laughs> How many people were in the truck? Five. Five in one truck? One truck. Four guys and a girl. Oh, my God. Yeah, in a, in a Duramax crew cab. That poor girl. All the farting and stinking. And it was quite a bit. 
That was your brother's girlfriend? Yes. Oh. They're not together anymore. I would, I would imagine not. <laughs> I would imagine not. I've, I, have a, I have a terrible habit of pissing people off. I probably would have pissed everybody off. You had to. Uh, I wore headphones a lot because I was tired of hearing them out. Oh. I wore headphones a lot. That's funny. That's funny. I, you know, I, I, I definitely don't have anything against people who take their, their wives to it, but there are, there are trips where I'm like, hey, this is a guy's trip, and we're going on a guy's trip. And you know what? I've been lucky. My wife has always, you had, you had mentioned earlier when we were talking off air, and my, my wife, uh, I did drag race when my kids were small, and my wife put up with every bit of it. I owe her fucking huge, huge. When she gets old, I'm gonna have to like wipe her butt and stuff like. I mean, I'm just gonna have to be, I'm gonna have to be the best. At some point in time, I have to be as good of a husband as she's been a, a, a wife to me because she has put up with a lot of shit. You know that that wreck I was telling you about when uh, my wife was on the back. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, she just got scrapes and bruises, so and she stayed with me and she still rides. So yeah, I that would a ring on her finger. That's a tough. That's a tough gig, right? I mean, that would that could be a deal breaker for a lot of people. It wasn't for her. I hear people say all the time, cool, it wasn't your fault. Something fell on the road. I, mean, I, I hit a roll mattress of, or something, right? I rolled a carpet that fell out of a truck, and I was doing like 70. You have no idea who the truck is either. It, was, it fell off in front of a box truck in front of us. Then the box truck ran it over, and then we hit it at 70. Can't do anything about that. Mm-mm. You wearing a helmet? Mm-hmm. If, I don't think I'd be here if I didn't. Full face? No, three-quarter. Three-quarter. Yeah, I wear a full face. And it was, uh, I was that dude from Brazil. From Brazil, yeah, that makes those helmets. That I don't know. God, dog it. And it's not. It's not a DOT. Really? And it still saved me. Like a Mike's Pro Lids or something like that, or he's from Brazil, and you get he'll make you one, but you get it when he gets ready. Really? Did it survive the crash? No, it was cracked and it had holes in it. No, but I mean, did you do you have it still? Like, in, I think I still have it. Oh, I put that thing in a case. I think I, I still to. have it, and it's got like this—the width of my four fingers of scrapes and deep, and you can see light through it. Wow! Because I hit on my left side. Wear your safety equipment, kids. <laughs> you know what I mean. I wear a helmet all the time. What, well, when I'm in Sturgis, I don't. But now, when we go riding, riding, I'll have my helmet. But when we just when we're just buzzing around Sturgis, I don't generally have my helmet because we're, you're going 30 miles an hour. I know you can wreck a 30. I get it, but I, I've wrecked so many other fucking things. I mean, I spent my entire, I'm one of these guys that have spent my entire life on two wheels, my entire life. I started I, when I was five. But you, so you're riding motorcycles. Were you ever a BMX guy? Uh, freestyle. I was too. Flatland, ramp? Flatland. Yeah, I was a flatlander. Sucked at ramp. I couldn't, dude. I fell, uh, I fell one time, broke my hand on the ramp, and I was just gunshot. I couldn't get above the train. Well, there was the no... Coping. I was in Orange Park at that time, and there was no bike ramps, so all my friends who skate wouldn't let me on their ramp anyway. That's such a weird thing. Because I was they said, you'll fuck it. up our ramp. I have rubber tires. No, I the pegs, the handlebars, and yeah, they, yeah. Were, they didn't want me on it. That sounds like something their parents told them. Could be, because their parents built it. Built it. <laughs> yeah, there was, a, there was a couple half pipes where I grew up, and uh, there was one, there was two that they would let you BMX on it. I like Flatland, because you could go wherever. Yeah, I mean, I did, I did a lot. I rode, and it, getting back to what I was talking about earlier about, you know, I'm not being, you know, not working out and that shit, dude. I legit competed at a fairly high level, and uh, and rode probably. I'm not kidding, nine to twelve hours a day, if I wasn't at school. 
I mean, I rode and rode and rode and rode and rode and rode, and I had my legs were strong as death, and they still are. My 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 legs still are strong. I had touring bikes too, and I'd go city to city. I rode my BMX bike everywhere. I never had anything but a BMX bike. You know where North Lakeland is, right? Yeah. So I rode my BMX from there to my dad's house in Lakeland, which is on the east side. Yeah, yeah. I would ride. I would ride twelve hours or twelve hours, twelve miles, fifteen miles to ride all day in a parking lot. And then ride back. I uh, used to work at Public Warehouse in Jacksonville and had a touring bike. Okay. And I rode it from Orange Park to Beaver Street in Jacksonville, which is probably 30 miles. Really? So I got up at 3 in the morning. I had to be there by 6 and rode, uh, rode the whole way. Why? It's <laughs> bored. <laughs> I was Get a fucking that. hobby. <laughs> like you were a kid, just buy a Sega Genesis or something. I had lots of hobbies. I had a, I had a truck. A lowrider truck would uh, cut the back of the cab out and had eight twelves and twenty mids and highs. So I was always in the lowrider trucks. BMX. I have a Cannondale Killer V I'm redoing. Remember those bikes? A what? Cannondale Killer V. They don't I make don't them anymore. It, no. It's a funky ass frame, and I tore it down to the frame. Going to have it powder coated and then redo it. Nice. So have, have you ever seen any of Jeff Holt's uh, BMX collection? Yes. That dude makes me jealous. He's got a lot. He's got a lot that we've not seen. I know you've seen that movie, Rad. Oh, are you kidding me? You over-rotated. <laughs> you know, they just released it on Blu-ray? Did they? Yeah, you can still watch it for free on YouTube. Hmm. Yep. Cool. I remember that show. Yeah, I watch... Uh, um, I, I just recently downloaded... iTunes had the soundtrack on on uh, iTunes. You can download John Farnham and Break the Ice. What's the, what's the one, the popular song from there? You believe yes. in heaven above. Yes. Send me an angel from real life. Yes. That's yep. the song. That one. Somebody remade that song. Yeah, I know. It's badass. I've got good. it. I think I've got it in my phone. I can't play it on here because they'll 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 kick us off of iTunes. But um, I'm trying to think now that you mentioned that. It's send me an angel. And it was like a uh, it was a it's a, like a not a metal band, but like a progressive. Yes. Send me an angel by. What's well, not on here? I just have it. I just have the Brad soundtrack on here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Send me an angel. In songs, who is it? Let's see who does it. Um, real life. Uh, the Scorpions have a version of it, but not not that highly suspect. That's it. Highly suspect. I saw them in concert. Did you? Yeah, ninety-eight Rockfest. What was years your ago. first concert? Nineteen seventy-nine. Jay Giles, Love Stinks Tour, Cobo Hall, Detroit, Michigan. Mine was Leonard Skinnerd. Was it? Jackson what year? She was 18. So okay, so it was Johnny and yeah, it wasn't Alan was dead and gone. Right. But Gary Rosington <coughs> would have been there. Yes. And the piano player and Artemis Pyle and all them Is dudes. Is Donnie Van Zant then? Johnny Van, Johnny Van Zandt. Donnie Van Zant was in uh, 38 Special. 38 Special. Right. I always thought that song was Hold On Lucy. Not hold on loosely. <laughs> I remember that we were there, and all these bikers were there. And as soon as the lights went out, everybody pulled their boots up and pulled out whiskey and joints. And yeah. They're like, what's up, little man? Want some weed? I'm like, oh. what's up, little man? I said, uh, no. <laughs> Want some whiskey? Uh, no. Really? Yeah. <laughs> were you, like, main floor or something? Or yeah. where was, was it outdoors? In, indoors. Or, indoors. Jacksonville Coliseum, I think, or right. it was up there. It was a long time ago. Yeah. It was fun. Yep, I went to that one, and then the next concert I went to is the following year. I went to, uh, it was Molly Hatchet, 
Johnny Van Zant, Blackfoot, and seven oh seven. Nice. Yeah. Front I was third row. I was seven years old on my dad's shoulders. We walked up to the main the main floor and or main row and I never forget I'm trying to remember the dude's name that was the lead singer of Molly Hatchet back then. Um, damn, it's just, it's just, you know, like just on the tip of my tongue, but they had like, I remember that was the first time I ever saw like a band with like three guitar players and they were all doing the thing at the same time, you know, where they're kind of playing in unison. I was like, holy shit, what is this? That was so cool. And I bought a guitar and couldn't fucking play it. I, I can't play the guitar. I can drum like a motherfucker, but. I had a, um, Surfboard. I bought a surfboard. I thought I'd be a surfer. In Florida? Yes. 7-2, quiet flight. Sucked. So you grew up, You, I thought you grew up down here. You lived in Orange Park in yes. Jacksonville? So I grew up here, and then we moved to Orange Park, which is just outside of Jacksonville, okay. and finished high school there. Okay. So I moved up there in 85. All right. And the, the billboard on the school, because I come from Lakeland, so it's, it's a small town. Right. And... It said, welcome back to school, all 3,500, I think. At one school? Yes. That's a lot of people. And 85. That's a lot of kids in one school. We had seven minutes between classes because it was such a big campus. Right. So, yeah, a little nervous. How many was that all high school, 10th, 11th grade? 9th, 10th, 12th. 9th through 12th, so four years at that school. Yep. Yep. And that's where your mom lived? Uh, yes. Is she still up there? No, they live in uh, Leesburg now. Oh, really? Yep. Wow. That's a weird little town. Yes. They have a rally there, which they're doing in November, they said. They're moving the, the rally to November this year. What rally? The Leesburg. Oh, the... Um, Leesburg Bike, Bike Fest? Fest yes. Yeah. You know that's one of the largest rallies in the country? Really? Yeah. It's... um. I, I, went, I haven't been in a long time because it's hot as balls that time of year. It is. It's crazy crowded. Yeah. And we're like, eh, coming back. So they're moving it to, to November this year. So the weather should be better. I mean, there's lots of people talking about the, the positive things. Well, that'd be good. A lot of people, I mean, we had to move our show, the Central Florida Wheels of Steel. We moved that to December 5th and 6th at the RP it. Funding Center in downtown Lakeland, Florida. <laughs> Go to www.cfwheelsofsteel.com for tickets and information. Nice plug. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I got to get better at that, right? <laughs> This, the podcast is starting to cost a little bit of money to do now that I have so many episodes out and using too much bandwidth. I'm getting like these this hate mail from from the server. I thought I missed that show. No. And then you sent me something. I'm like, oh, great. Maybe I'll. I'll no, you know what? We could have. We probably could have had a show, but we couldn't have had the show that we wanted to have. No one. I mean, I don't think anybody could have. We. I, you know, it's for a nonprofit. So I don't feel like we could have reasonably asked people to dip into their into their savings and their wallets and to participate in something like that when at the end of the day it's a it's a fundraiser. We're not going to raise any funds and that's a really expensive show to put on. That, that probably the rental. Yeah, I mean it's part of it. We wanted a we wanted a nice posh place to have it because we wanted to have it indoors so it wasn't weather dependent we wanted to have it indoors so we kind of control the environment wanted to be indoors for lots of other reasons lighting entertainment those types of things you know we did it last year it was our first year the inaugural year and it was a hit it went off very very well it but nice. it's a lot it's a lot of pressure to put on a show like that and when you have people putting money into the pot and we have a board we have to answer to like i've never had to do that right I've never worked for a company that had a board of directors. And so I don't actually work for this company, but they asked me to be part of this this uh, 
this the show and so in, in doing so i had to go before the board and tell them why i thought it was a good investment for them what kind of money i thought we could raise those types of things it's 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 a little heavy but it's cool i've got to meet with uh, the lakeland mayor several times like uh, the first one's the hardest yeah i would think so I, well right now the second one's proving to be a little bit of a challenge but i'll take a challenge but you know the cool part about it is is it's gotten me um some contacts in in the local area it's brought me dude it's brought me people that that i didn't know were in the area you know what i mean us just moving to lakeland was was a solid move because i don't even think you were never at our plant city store were you i passed it a lot i was always going to stop in but i just never was able to yeah i don't think we've had um that place is still empty i think it is i talked to the owner the other day he called me about something he needed to get into it but didn't have a key to his building, so he called me to lo- find out what the lockbox code was. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I think it's this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I really wanted that space to work out, and it couldn't. How long were you there? A year and a half. You remember that there was, uh, was it Uncle Bill's, that place, Caddy Corner from you? The car, car lot? No. It was a big bar. Right no, uh, Uncle Mike's. Uncle Mike's. Yeah, that, that, was a, that guy's a real good friend of mine. What happened? Well, a couple things. So you, what you're talking about is uh, the bar at corner of 60 and 39, which yes. is like, for those of you that are listening, what we're talking about, there was, a, um, uh, there was a venue called Uncle Mike's Steakhouse and Barbecue, right? Yes. Uncle Mike's Barbecue. It, used to, it was called Mustang Ranch years ago. That's right. Well, so that's right there kind of in the sticks. And so the problem was that particular property was still on septic, but it was such a large scope project, such a big building. Mm. They couldn't buy it because anybody that bought it had to move it into being not septic. And um, it had to be, you know, you had to bring city, city sewer in from miles and miles away. It was just, it was not cost effective that's the same reason why we couldn't be where where we were there when we were cycle stop usa was on 60 for a year and a half and we really when we moved into that building the only reason he let us move in is because we wanted to buy it so we thought okay we'll buy it was a neat building i don't know have you ever been in that building never been in it but i've passed it's neat right it's a nice cool little building built i think was built in the 20s or 30s the front the front half of it and it had been like a hay exchange kind of place you know it was and back then when that place was built, it was out in the fucking boondocks. Yeah, I mean, that was, yeah, that was all, stra- well, we were surrounded by strawberry fields on three <clears> sides. But so we, we moved into there and it had a little office off to the side and it flooded. It flooded from the floor out up to around the foundation. Mm. So it had a metal roof on it and it was just, it didn't work. You know what I mean? Right. It was one of those things that didn't work. And now I look at how big we are now and I'm like, I don't know how we fit what we do now into that building into those two buildings but we did it somehow we've always done that i remember when you first moved in here you you said i don't think i need that back bar yeah did you go there today no but i heard there's a whole it's full it's full full. i don't i I feel like i could get a ten thousand square foot building and i'd have ten thousand square foot shit you're the only really there's only a couple bike shops in town yeah there's s&m sunny down on 60 in mulberry but he's selling yeah, but you're right in the middle of Lakeland. I am. In the good part. I'm in the good part of Lakeland. You have Harley, in which nobody likes going there anymore. That's a weird deal. Can we talk about that for a minute? What do you think is going to happen with Harley? You, you've got your finger kind of, you, 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 you have a good vantage point because you're really interested in what we're doing in this industry, and you kind of have your toes in the water. 
but you're not, you don't live and die by it. So you can be really honest with yourself. Yeah. So what do you think going on with Harley? What do you think is going to happen? What would you do differently? That's hard to say. They, um, they put a lot of money on an electric bike, I heard. Yeah. And then the uh, CEO stepped down. Some or new, was removed or whatever. Or was yeah. removed. Yeah. Know. So some new guy stepped in. It's supposed to be, you know. A savior of some sort. Yes. And he has saved other companies. So I'm kind of curious to see how it's going to go. But don't you feel like, don't you feel like if we would just cut through all the bullshit, even in politics and everything, we usually look, you shouldn't be doing something that you don't absolutely love. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't be running a company because you love running a company. You should be loving a com- running a company because that company produces a commodity that you love. You know what I mean? Have you ever heard what Henry Ford said about a company that makes only profit is a poor company? Yeah. I mean, you know, what do you think of a statement like that? I don't know. It's, um, you just have to constantly change. You know, a, a business that, that ceases to change will cease to exist. Okay, so if you're if you're given if they're like, hey, listen, we know we know you've never been a CEO before, Scott, but we want to see what what you can do with Harley. We're going to give you ninety days to make some changes, or six months to make some changes. Now we know that you're probably not going to be here the day after that six months, but we're going to pay you out of your mind, and we're going to see what somebody who truly loves Harley Davidson motorcycles and the culture that we're in. We want to see what you would do. And we figure in six months, you really can't fuck anything up. It's got to go through the board anyways. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, what do you do? What, 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 like, I have, a, I have, like, a very linear, linear view of Harley. I accuse them all the time of not being a motorcycle company anymore. I accuse them of being an apparel company and a lifestyle company that sells unfinished motorcycles. Yeah, I don't, I don't like their new frames. But, you know, they got how many bikes? I'll use the same frame. The soft tail? Yeah. So if I was going there for six months, I think I would take um, and just build a stripped-down version. It seemed to have too much stuff on it for me. Well, have you seen the new soft tail standard? Yeah, they all use the same frame. Yeah, but I mean, so that, okay, so aesthetically you don't like that frame or from an engineering standpoint? I think I like it once it's stripped down. Right. Okay, so, so, so they have a standard that doesn't have anything on it anymore. It's got a small set of apes, an LED front light, and that's really in a side mount plant. That's really about it. They took away the Dyna, you know, with the shocks on the outside. Yeah, and you know, there's a pretty good argument for taking the Dyna away. I like that. I like the way it was. You like the Dyna? The way it was. Mine wobbles over 85 miles an hour. Don't do 85. <laughs> I understand that, but that's why I told a friend of mine. I go, hey man, I think something's loose on the front end. This was years ago. I, said, I got to wobble at 90. He goes. Hmm. Don't do 90. <laughs> and it was just my neck stem was loose. I fixed it. Yeah. Well, simple I mean, things. that's a simple thing, but having your dyna wobble is a pretty common thing. Really? Oh, yeah. It's a big deal. Because Harley engines, people thought they shook. They don't shake. They oscillate. Mm. Right? And you've got this engine that's bolted with a rubber mount to the front. Yes. Got a rubber mount at the back with a swing arm that's rubber mounted in there. So all these par- pieces and parts are all moving around. So, I mean, arguably the, the soft tail's in your chassis, but I'm talking about overall, like, big picture stuff. So, vehicle, let's talk about, well, let's, let's just take it piece by piece. Vehicle complexity. Too many models? Well, how many models they got? 
See, I can't have this conversation with you, Scott, if you're not going to do your homework before you come here. <laughs> Here's what I would do. I told you I can't read. No, I, you can read. Here's what I'm thinking. If I'm, given that, if I'm given that scenario, and I haven't put any thought into this. This is just what I'm coming up right off the gate. I would have Sportster 1200, Sportster 883. I'd have a custom and a low of each, right? Four models, right? That's four. I would have Softail, Standard, Night Train, because that was always a good seller, Heritage, and a Fat Boy. Another four models. Eight. Right, now we're at eight. I would have, I would throw in a low rider too. Okay, so now we're at nine. Okay, we're at five soft tails. Five soft tails, and I could give up the standard to keep the low, the low rider if I was going to do four, if I was going to use a rule of four. So we'll do that. We'll get rid of the standard. Give a low rider, a heritage, a fat boy, and a night train. And the night train takes place in the standard then. How about that? Right. Okay, there's four there. Now, baggers, I'm going to have a standard with no radio, no options, but it's a bagger, right? It's going to be four colors available in black, blue, red, or silver, right? So you have a standard, you would have a street glide, you'd have a road glide, and then the ultra would be a road glide. You like the CBOs? I don't. Uh, you know what I don't like about the CD CBO? Is because you're spending forty thousand to fifty thousand dollars to have something that's unique, and you pull up to a fucking light at Sturgis, and some yokel's gonna have the exact same bike as you. <laughs> there's so there's so much money now. They're it, ridiculous. Yeah. And if I was Harley, I would make my money in the parts department too. Okay, I would take the vehicle complexity down, make it more linear, not have as many different options. Every bike could be available in four colors, right? If you want CBO stuff, we have a CBO department. You wheel your, your bike over to the CBO department, and you can you want a CBO engine, it's this much. You want CBO exhaust, it's this much. You want CBO paint, it's this much, and it's a swap. We take your tins off, put these tins on. End of. Right. You know what I'm saying? I would, I would, I would, I would make that smaller. I would increase my parts catalog incredibly. Because I think they're, that's just such a lost opportunity that Harley leaves. I would start jobber accounts. I would go to every shop like mine, and I would set up a jobber account. Hey, we're going to sell to you. We're gonna, we, want, we want wholesale customers. We want Harley parts. See, a Harley dealer can, cannot really put on aftermarket parts, right? They can. They'll invalidate your warranty. You, I, I have heard stories at Lakeland Harley, and I don't care talking shit about Lakeland Harley. Because the employees over there I have a good relationship with. The owner, I could give a shit less. Chris Daughtry doesn't, he doesn't impress me, you know. Um, Harley as a company misses out on, I think, millions and millions and millions of dollars and, and millions of opportunities by not going, hey, you know what? We want a piece of the SNS business. We want a piece of the drag specialties business. We want a piece of the Arlen Ness business. We want a piece of all this, right? If I was selling Harley parts in my shop because Harley sold them to me to, at, a, at a price point where I could make a profit, do you think anybody would really buy aftermarket shit? You know what I'm saying? Right. <clears throat> I mean, if you had two parts on the wall and you had a drag specialties part here and you had a Harley Davidson part here, I'm not besmirching drag specialties or besmirching anybody. The Harley parts are going to sell. Right, that's a that's a big opportunity that I learned in the car business, 
the dealerships that I worked for that made the most money sold parts to all the other dealerships and all the other job shops around town. If you had, you know, if I put a Harley sign out in front of my shop, Harley gives me a fucking ration of shit. If across the street, the guy that's working on cars, if he has a Ford or AC Delco sign, they don't say fuck all, man. No, they say shit. No, they spend too much time. And you know what? I, and I, I would tell this to anybody inside Harley. I would love 10 minutes with him where I can say, you are placating the wrong fucking people. Because you know who will turn on you in a minute? A fucking investor. An investor will, will pull out like they're not wearing contraception and go buy fucking Apple fucking stock. You understand what I'm saying? Even if they like riding Harley-Davidson motorcycles. That's just, that's just my opinion. And as far as what kind of motorcycle you can buy for the money, Indian hands down builds a better motorcycle than Harley-Davidson does right now, in my opinion. Hands down. It's nice. I like that. Uh, what's their smaller version called? Did everybody do the custom? The Scout? The Scout. Okay. Have you seen their FT, the, the FT-1200R or whatever, FTR-1200? It's an amazing fucking motorcycle. Their Commander... Looks a lot like a road glide. I'm going to admit, Indian, you're not that sneaky. <laughs> it looks a lot like a road glide, but you're getting a mo- you're getting a bagger with 120 horsepower, inverted front end, radio mount calipers, and a monoshock rear end. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Right out of the gate. Right out of the gate at like $22,000, dollars $23,000. If I was buying a brand new bagger right now, I'd be down at, at uh, Lakeland, at Sky Power Sports in Lakeland. I'd be buying a Commander with no options. Yeah, those are pretty nice. That's what I would do. I mean, why wouldn't you? It's American-made. They got that. Polaris has been around for a long time. They're a lot bigger company, a lot more profitable company than, than Harley-Davidson is. You know what I mean? I feel like Harley is resting on their laurels. All of their fucking leather goods are made overseas. All of their shoes and boots are made overseas. I mean, they don't even have a heritage line of fucking... They have a heritage motorcycle, and they don't even have a heritage line of clothing... It's made in the U.S. I'm sorry. I'm 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 going. I'm 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 talking too much. But you get what I'm saying. Yes. This is a little bit of a rant. I get you, it. You said you were going to vent. Yeah. So uh, that that's uh, we'll we'll stop there. But I'll let you uh, I'll let you comment. Are you there, caller? Comment. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. They fell out. So I mean, do you do you do you agree? Disagree? Am I off point? What, where oh, am I? I agree. I agree. There's just a uh, I don't know. I, I try not to keep up. I don't keep up with it a lot. To tell you the truth. No. When was the last time? Have you ever bought a brand new motorcycle from no. a dealer? No. No plans on it ever? Not no. going to do it? Nope. You're a pretty conservative guy, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, I don't. I like uh, stuff I can work on. When you get stuff with the computers, I got to bring it to you. <laughs> so I like anything with the carbs. All right. So you're a carburetor. That's where you cut off. So you're a chopper guy. Yes. And I like uh, my Road King's a 01. My Softail's a 2099. It's a 98. Actually, 99, 98 Evo. Gotcha. And my 69. My truck's paid for. My car's paid for. I just I have old stuff. Yeah. You're good with that? I'm good. <laughs> old old shit and paid off. Oh, I like the paid off part. I, you know, that's something that I just have never mastered the art of that. I get real close to paying something off, and I'm like, I'm just going to get a new one. <laughs> you know what I mean? I could, but I, I get it. To. Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're probably a lot smarter than me. You probably have a lot more money in the bank than I do. You know, I'm just one of these guys that it's not that I have to have the new shit all the time. It's just that I got to get the new shit all the time. <laughs> it's not that I got to have it, but I got to have it. Yeah, I tell myself that. You know, it's like, like I have a shoe problem. You have a Dixon flannel problem. I have a shoe problem. 
Does your wife? Does your wife like? What does she like? What does she think about the old motorcycle thing? She's like, oh, that's cute. That's his deal. Or where's she at? Uh, she likes it. She likes riding me, but she thinks I'm too much into it sometimes. Yeah, I'm two wheel nutty. Two wheel nutty. Two wheel nutty. Right. Now she have kids? No. No. So it's just the two of you it's at home right now. Yeah. What were we called? Uh, dinks. Dink. Dual income. No kids. No kids. <laughs> I never heard that before. <laughs> I'm a I'm I'm a dick. Dual income. Couple kids. <laughs> Straight dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what's uh you you texted me the other day. And you're like, hey, I'm bringing two bikes to your show. Yes. So let's let's talk about let's talk about the let's talk about the show. Let's talk about some of the shows that you've done. Let's talk about some of the bi- some the bikes you're gonna bring. The uh, the gray and the gray and red one you've seen. Not in person. I didn't I didn't see you. Did I? I ran into you at Willie's, but I think you didn't go see it. There was a lot of people there, dude. I couldn't get I couldn't get around this year. This was a big year at Daytona. Yeah, it was huge. It was you go every year. Yes. You like Daytona? Yes. You think it's a good event? I do. It's fun. It's because it's a comfort zone. So me and my brother have been going over there for years. So it's just a comfort just to go over there. And, you know, everybody's, you know, stressed out with their businesses. And we go there and just cut loose. Mm-hmm. You know, the group we go with, we could have fun in the garbage dump with lawn chairs. <laughs> Do you stay for the whole week? No. No? no just because it's the second half. So Wednesday? Yeah. Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Come home Sunday. Yeah. We're kind of spoiled here, aren't we? I mean, we, in this state, like, let's be honest, like, Florida gets a bad rap for a lot of reasons, but we're never more than an hour away from a beach, really. A good beach. Right. <clears throat> There's plenty of you're, you're, where we're at. We can go to Disney World, Universal, Legoland. What, I mean, all those types of resorty kind of things. Right? We're, we're very tourist-driven here, right? Oh, yeah. So, you know, we have a lot of advantages. Yeah, year-round riding weather. You can wear shorts all year. I don't know if it's year-round riding weather. I about melted on my motorcycle and the first july i was here it was really hot. Well, you killed candy just too early so we if we do something now we'll leave out at 7 a.m take a couple hour ride eat for breakfast eat breakfast and then come home yeah you do that often no no did it, did it last saturday <laughs> yeah we go out we have breakfast we do it often not at all not not at all we just, we, we really don't do it just no. just two weeks ago <laughs> how many times you done it uh, did you go out on the road king i'm assuming I did, <laughs> funny story, I did that week because we were going so far out in the farmlands that, you know, my little peanut tank, you got to get gas, you know, every 60 miles. Right. So my wife goes, you're taking your little green bike, right? No. Taking the Road King, and she just gave me a sour look because that's the one she rides. She loves that bike. So she likes riding on that or she likes riding it No. instead of you riding it? She'll ride that and you ride the chopper? No, she likes riding on the back. So that's, that's kind of like our bike. Gotcha. So that's also the one we wrecked. You still have the one you wrecked? Yes, rebuilt okay, it. you just rebuilt it, mm-hmm. right? So, okay, describe for me the perfect chopper. You have, you've got a, you've got not an unlimited budget, but, I mean, you've got enough money to do whatever you want. Walk me through what that, what that bike looks like. CFL. CFL, frame. Okay. Engine? I like to keep it simple, so probably not above a 96. I like using a Harley drivetrain. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Easy to find parts for. Enclosed primary, uh, open primary. Two-inch open. Two-inch open. Six-speed. Six-speed. Who makes it? Baker. Baker. Okay, you're a Baker guy. Um, so we're talking 96-inch engine. What's done to it? What does it look like? 
engine or the frame? Just just walk me through it. I mean, have you ever built this bike? You haven't. You don't have a bike you built in your head. Oh yes. So so walk me through it. <laughs> like tell me tell me all the details of it. Uh, open primary, six speed, ninety six, um, three up, three out, thirty eight degrees, or a six up, six out. Okay, so tall. Tall. With a one eighty two hundred on the back. I don't like too much bigger than that. Okay. Chain drive. I like a lot of dirt bike stuff. Okay. You know, I'd really like to do, um, you know, the sprockets, the pegs, a lot of dirt bike stuff. Okay. What kind of controls? Ooh, boosted bread. So mid controls. Mid controls. Mid controls. All right. Seat. You doing a potato chip or are you doing a, are you doing a, like a. It'd be the seat would be made to fit the frame. So probably something small. I, you ever use chopper shock? I haven't used chopper shocks yet. I use them all of them. Do you? I like them. Yeah, I didn't know they still made still made parts out of his house. Okay, so I so you're going to use a potato chip seat. Yes. Okay. Bars. I have apes on a lot now, so I'd probably do something different. It's probably something lower. Yeah, if you're going to go six up, you got to yeah, go a little lower. Something lower. Drag bars or sportster bars. Sportster. Okay. I'm kind of visualizing it. Okay, front end. This is important. Don't fuck this up. <laughs> Um, God, somebody's gone through my mind. The, if you do it inverted, it wouldn't look right on that bike, so you'd have to do a Springer. Ooh, really? Springer okay. or a girder? Okay. Who's Springer? I mean, there's, you know, there's difference. Is it a Freddie Fernandez? Sugar Bay. Is it a... De oh, damn. You said I had a lot of money, so... Yeah, yeah. Have you ever ridden a bike with a Sugar Bear? No, but I heard it's badass. Oh, Unreal. It'll change everything you think about a Springer. It'll make you throw rocks at most other Springers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I want to build something crazy like that one day. I can see that bike. What color, what color is the frame? I like orange. I think I'd do orange metallic. Throughout the whole thing? All yeah, in color? Orange and black, or it'd be orange with anodized orange parts. Nice. And then black. I like to stick with three colors. I always do that too. Three I pick three. Three colors. If you and I like to stack them too, so you get like this kind of this this rhythm, this well, order of things. Correct. Wherever something changes a piece, it changes color. Yeah. So nothing S just runs together. So you're talking like in a three-piece rocker box. You're like three layers. Yeah. Like a sandwich. Yep. That's on my on my green bike. It is white, uh, white top, chrome middle, white bottom, three pieces. I like it. You didn't go green in the middle, huh? Mm -mm. Not the chrome. Right. So. Don't fuck this up. <laughs> is the engine painted, blonde, or polished? Texture black. With really? Fins. Okay. I can see the bike. It's a fun bike. Yeah, that is. CFLs ride so good, man. I'd love that. You still got that one here? Yeah, oh yeah. And and I'm I'm a huge fan of uh two hundred one eighty. I mean that's it. That's that's my jam. I'm a 180. I actually really like a 180. That's what I have on the green bike. So 17. I like a 17 inch rear wheel. That's kinky. The side profile on the tires look better. They do. And you know, of all of the West Coast choppers, do you know which one had a 17 inch rear? Was it Blanco or uh -huh. Diablo? Chongo. Chongo. Yeah. Chongo Blanco's got a 255 17 on the back, and that's that's a that's a perfect profile. That is a perfect profile. 180, 200. They make a 210 on 17, too. Yeah, but 
then you lose you lose some of the sidewall profile. Yes. It, it it's it cheats. The sidewall profile won't look the same on a uh, when you when you do that. That's kind of the that's kind of the downside of, of that. I want to show you a picture because they can't see that, but you'll be able to see this. Um, the boosted Brad mid control. I, I so what about fenders? Whose fenders do you use? Do you use the same kind of fender over and over again, or is uh, I buy a lot from Lead Sled. Yeah, I was just gonna say Pat's fenders are. They make they make a, a good product and they're reasonably priced. And they're strong as death. Yes. And he makes them. You ever watch the video of him spinning yes. fenders? It's pretty neat. He's fucking the guy is so talented. He really is. And he's such a good friend, man. You know that's that was that's what I try to could get people to understand. Like, you know, when when they criticize me for not going and doing a bunch of riding when I'm in Sturgis, I don't come home from Sturgis like lamenting because I didn't do something that I wanted to do. I got to see all my friends and Pat's one of those dudes that I only get, you know, short opportunities to spend time with some of these dudes. And it's like a high school reunion for me, you know? Well, just like we talked about, get up early in the morning, go riding and be back by 10. That would require me to go to bed early too. Not there. <laughs> right? Not there. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, um, that's the thing is like I think a lot of people uh, there's there's lots of different people that go there. It's such a big event, right? You have some people that that's what they're there for is only they're only there to ride. You know what I mean? And some people are only there to party, and some people some people are only there to work. And I'll tell you, I used to have to go to that those those uh, I used to have to go to those those rallies and work. And I have to tell you it. I don't. I don't ever want to fucking do it again. And it's quite demanding, oh, dude. It's it's unending too. It's not like, it's not like you can just go. Well, I'm just not going to do this now. It's you know. It's it's not that at all. It's you're fucking you're hogtied to that goddamn to that booth, you know. Hey, uh, we went out. We did Spearfish Canyon, Badlands. See that? Yeah, where'd you get that? That's Chongo Blanco. Who's, oh, somebody you know has yeah. a bunch of his bikes. Yeah, so there's Chongo. There is Coors. There's Sturgis, the original Sturgis Special, the one that was built on Motorcycle Mania 2. There's Kevin Studer's uh, CFL. And then right back here, How many does Steve that guy Weaver. Have? A lot. He gets mad at me. He, he called me. I haven't talked to him in a year. Well, I haven't talked to him since Sturgis. And he called me. He's like, you, you have pictures of my bikes on your Instagram. I'm like, I asked you if I could do that. He's like, I specifically told you no. Oops. I hope he hears this, too, because I'm <laughs> actually kind of butthurt about it. Well, if he does hear this, man, you have a nice collection. <laughs> I'll make sure I tell him. He's a nice guy. He's just, he just, it was kind of a weird phone call. You know what I mean? I was like, ah, okay, whatever. Thank you for calling. Bumming me out. Tell me what a jerk I am, what a bad friend I am because of that. Have you ever seen one of those? Swing arm dominator? Yes. There's only like three of them in existence. I know I, this is probably pissing everybody who's listening. Right now, what, what we're doing is we're going through my pictures. I have a friend who owns a bunch of West Coast choppers. So you passed the CFL2. That's yes. a nice one. You know who built that one? That CFL2 was built by Rusty Kuhn at Illusion Cycles. You know who Rusty is? Mm -mm. He was on Riding Through This World. 
on fucking Sons of Anarchy. He was on there. He's a giant. He's a hell's angel in real life. No shit. He builds bikes. He's a big dude. If you saw him, you, you'd know who I'm talking about. But anyway, so we're going through pictures, and I'm just showing him pictures of uh, the West Coast choppers that I took uh, when I was in California back in 2013. But anyway, that's uh, those those you bikes. Gotta, are, you got to go riding out there. See, when I went out there, you know, we didn't know the people you know and all the events. Right. So we went out there to ride, and we got lost and just rode and rode and rode. I think we did 1,500 miles in three days. Really? Yeah. In that area? Yeah. 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 The only thing I didn't do is Devil's Tower. I didn't do that one. I don't know where that's at. It's like a couple hours away. Yeah, it's long. It's a haul. Yeah. I didn't do that. My brother and his chick went and did that. I think I definitely want to go see Mount Rushmore. Did that. Before they tear it down. And because uh, and, that's what they're talking about doing because it's racist. Um, can you hear the sarcasm in my voice? A little bit. Um, anyway, but uh, I want to go see that before that's not, you know, I'm not able to, to be witnessed anymore. What's the, um, the doing that chief one out there? That is, I know what you're talking about. It's not Sitting Bull, is it? I can't remember, but it's, they're still working on it, and it's badass. It's yeah. huge. Is it like his face? He's, um, it's like his face and he's pointing. What, is he pointing at the white guys that stole his, <laughs> probably, stole his land? Probably. probably. <laughs> You want to erase history, you better be prepared for it to happen again, right? Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Right. So I better be careful and not go off on a fucking tangent. But, you know, you know calm down. Usa, right? Usa, <laughs> Usa. Easy killer. I had a guy in here uh, two, two or three episodes ago. We had a really good political conversation, and it could have gone a lot of different ways. Yeah, I don't get into politics. You don't at all? Not even at home? It doesn't show up on your radar? Mm-mm. Just because you're smarter than the rest of us? No, I just don't. Like, me and my wife don't talk about it. Other friends do, but I try. It just gets frustrating, so I just kind of... So you have an opinion? Yes. Okay, that's fine. Yeah. You know, it's like that old joke where, um, that Chappelle joke where he's talking about, you know, some, the white guy won't tell anybody who he votes for. And he's there at work telling his friends. So anyway, I'm banging my wife, and someone says, hey, who are you voting for? He's like, hey, 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 I'm trying to tell you about banging my wife. <laughs> no, don't ask me personal stuff, you know? <laughs> That's funny. My dad never, never told me who he was voting for or my, anything. My parents told me either. Isn't that funny? Some people are just like that, man. That picture we had recently, me and my wife were on a boat, and I had she had the Star of the Stripes bikini on. I had the Star of the Stripes shorts, the Dixon hat. Right. Star of the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I remember that picture. That was just on your Instagram for the 4th of July. Yeah, so okay. uh, my, uh, it was my friend's boat, and they had the flag up there, and I think he had a Trump flag, and my mom goes, by the way, is that a Trump flag here on the boat? I didn't answer. Oh, really? Yeah. It's not my boat. Not my boat, not my problem, right? Right. That's funny. Yeah, you post some you do post funny stuff though. I try to. I try to make it light. Try to make it light. And not too serious. Oh, there's that 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 gray bike is beautiful, dude. You like it? I do a lot. So what I'm looking at, if you guys want to check out uh, Scott's Instagram, it's Hendrix Built. H-E-N-D-R-I-X-B-I-L-T. He spelled built kind of his own way, but that's a fantastic-looking motorcycle. I like the split tanks with no dash. It's got a, if you look in the middle, there's a Mac, oh, wait a minute. A Mac Bulldog in the middle. Oh, okay. It is It is intended to be like that. Okay, very good. And the, what are those vents next to the... Yes. Those are dirt bike stuff. Yes. Very good. And there's also the same one on the transmission vent. You know, that's, a, that's actually that's a good move. You think? Yeah. Absolutely, because 
I, you, you go back there right now on, uh, on some of the bikes that we have, and that vent's just got like a hose on it. It's like meh. Candy cane hose. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's your logo. Your logo's bitching, dude. You like it? Mm-hmm. I do a lot. Who did it for you? Uh, my buddy Matt. He's uh, does my tattoos at American Irons. Right over here. Matt Priner. Oh no shit. He did this one on me. A friend of mine owns that. Uh, it's a friend of his from high school. Alex Eisenberg. Yeah. Yep. So him and acquaintance Matt, of mine. Him and Matt have known each other for a long time. So. I told him a couple of things I like, and he made that logo for me. I've never seen a uh, a bad tattoo come out of that shop. He does all mine. He's done two on my wife now. That's cool. That's very cool. Good stuff. But that um, but that one I'll bring to your show, and then I have that ninety nine Dyna. I'm gonna bring. I want to see that. Is that on? Is that anywhere on your gram? Probably a long time ago. Let's see if I can find it here. I'll show it to you. But that bike turned out really good, and I called him the other day and said, how's the, I call it the ghost, because it's all gray. Right. And it was MIA for a while, because nothing was getting done. <laughs> and uh, so we nicknamed it the ghost. But uh, he said, it's all clean, ready for you to come get it. It's funny, a lot of guys who do what you do, which, um, you know, you do building in your garage, uh, in your home shop, rather, um, it, there's a different set of, rules that you guys don't have to follow in order to get your job done. I like that. I like that a lot. I stripped it way down. Yeah. I love the tank. You did a good job. Thanks, man. There's Bill's purple bike in the background. Yeah. So when we pulled that bike at the Willys, mm-hmm. they said, you're putting that in the show, right? I'm like, yeah, park it right here. Right? Yeah. So, And then about an hour or two later, they said, don't leave. You know, when they're not an hour or two, but towards the end of the show. Right. And they uh, said, don't leave. Oh, so you won Willie's. Went with that one. You got four, first place? Uh, best twin can. Jesus, dude. Yeah. That's good. Good for you. Well, Highest I've ever placed there is second. Well, I may have been the only twin can there. I don't know. No, I doubt it, dude. There's there's 100, 100 plus bikes there. And then that um, jockey shift Ironhead, I won that one. Best Ironhead. You won the best iron head there too. Mm-hmm. That's a big. That's a that's a that's a big honor there. Uh, to have the best iron head at Willie's, I mean, there's there's a few of iron there's a few iron heads at Willie's. It's uh it's it's not real complex. It's real simple. But his whole thing was when I bring this to you, I want I don't want people to question when it was customized. So it's got to be timeless. Timeless. So it doesn't he doesn't want it to look like it was customized in the '60s. Doesn't want it in the, not any one particular period. Right, because he kept the drum brakes. Kept the old, kept a lot of the old original stuff on the front and the rear. Yes, I like those. It doesn't stop with shit. No. <laughs> Thirty-three millimeter front end. Then, if yes. you've got the front brake, down actually still. the original, so that's a little less. I thought it was 33, 35. Oh yeah, no, you're right. You're right. You're yeah, right. thirty-five would have been on the on the on the low riders. Couldn't and even glides. find um, seals for it, so we went to Napa and found seals. Really? Harley said we don't have any. Well, Harley wouldn't have any. So we took the measurement and took it to Napa, and they said, we got one. No shit. Mm-hmm. That's funny when that kind of stuff happens. When you can find something where you don't even know you're looking, you know what I mean? Right. Like, there's a certain point where it's like, okay, did they make a special seal for it, or, you know what I mean? <laughs> or is this, or am I just not looking in the right, underneath the, the right rock? It's because a huge learning curve is just, people just kept coming to me. Hey, I saw that one bike. You do me one? Okay. Right. 
but give me a couple of ideas, and then I go from there. Nice. I don't want a lot of input. <laughs> That's good. So if you'd like to have a bike build and you don't want to put in a lot of input, make sure you hit on it. That's funny. <laughs> they get, like, uh, like you tell Jesse James, you get a bike built your way when he does it his way. Yeah, that was Steve Weaver. Yes. Yeah, he, he just yeah, passed away recently. He passed away. Sorry. Committed suicide. No shit. Yeah. Yep. Yep, whatever demons were, were haunting him were... Well, you know what? I do remember uh, reading what Jesse wrote about that. Yeah. So let me ask you this. What are you working on right now that's not done? My 69. Okay, so when's that going to be done? I don't know. I need to bring you the motor. Could, we've mentioned that a couple times. Yes. Um, hardtail? Soft, uh, hardtail? Sprung? Hard, hardtail. I have an alien tank for it. Have you already got the frame? Yes. What kind of frame? It's an iron head frame. I hardtailed the... <laughs> okay. Oh, factory iron head. Yes. That you, you've, done, you've, you've done that yourself. Okay. All right. How wide a rear tire? I got a, I got some of those smooth Harley rims. Yeah. I'm going to powder coat or paint them. So you're going to do like a 130, 140? 17 by five and a half. So I don't know if I can fit a 180 in that. You have to. And I was just going to say, let me see if I can find well, this picture. Now that you said that, I'm going to. You have to. And let me, let me show you why. If I can find this, I, 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 I know where it's at. So when I was at the, I went to, you ever go to a smoke out? No, and I heard that's really good to go to. Well, they don't have them anymore. Um, but back in the day, back when we went to the smokeout in 2005, I'm going to show you a, a, this fucking little iron head. I don't know who built it. I haven't seen it since. I've never seen it in a magazine. I could probably find out who owned it, but... Uh, I will put this just because uh, I know we've talked so much about these other kinds of things. If I can find, here we go. I'll put this on my Instagram. So if you're listening to this right now, I'll probably post this uh, episode in a couple days. Go back to my Instagram, and there will be a saw. A, uh, there will be an iron head on my Instagram with giant ape hangers with a 180 tire. Look at that thing. That is a bitch in motorcycle. Is it going up there? Do you not see it up there? No. Oh, hold on. Let me turn on my uh, my screen mirroring so that Scott Hendricks can see it. <laughs> Got my technology here. There we go. Boom. And you're like, is it going to go up there? Is it something I'm going to be able to see? Oh, I have seen that bike. You've seen it? Yes. With the with the, the gun barrels? And I remember that bike. Dude, that bike is dope. Look at those handlebars, though. Massive. Ridiculousness. But... That part of this part right there that you're seeing of this bike, dude, that's as good as it gets. I have that tank. That's the alien, isn't it? Yep, that's what I have. So I am going to save the photo. I am going to my Instagram right now. So if you go to Speed Metal Built, you will see a picture from the 2000. That dude's got to be like 6'8. That's what I was thinking, too. The horse. They don't do their shows anymore? No. There's a, there's, dude, there is a bunch of bullshit going on. And I just say it here because um, I wrote for the horse for a lot of years. And there was a guy there named um, uh, Englishman. Oh, yeah. Tall dude. No, that's Hammer. Oh, okay. He owned it. Just kidding. And, uh, 
I enjoyed working for that magazine for a lot of years. Never asked for anything in return, just the opportunity to do so and do features and stuff. And uh, I just, we didn't get along, he and I, whatever. He got, he, he fired me or whatever you want to call it. I wasn't working there, so you can't get fired from that. But, um, and the lady who owns the magazine now doesn't get along with the promoter of the smoke out. And uh, it, it's just so badass. It's such a badass, it was such a badass event and it's a, it's a shame that people can't get along. It's the smoke out rallies, right? Yeah, they were in North Carolina. Yes. I went back when it was in Salisbury, North Carolina in 05 and 06. Hmm. This is something the, happened recently with them too in Daytona about a show and they pulled out of something and I started reading on I called it midway. Yeah. on social media I'm like, what the hell happened? And I still don't know what happened. That's, uh, it was, it was, there's a guy named, uh, there's a guy named um, Edge, and uh, he is, he was the guy that basically conceived the, uh, conceived that whole event, and he partnered up with, um, he partnered up with Hammer that owned the horse, and they put those events on, and it was they were so much fun, dude. So much fun. We'd go there and just party our balls off and have such a such a riot. And then it just, you know, it, all, every party's got to come to an end, right? Every good thing has to come to an end. And so that's just kind of, I think you said it earlier, it's like if you don't evolve, you're, you're going to cease to exist. You know, it's one of those types of things. And that event didn't evolve fast enough, and so it ceased to exist, you know. Same thing happened with the Lipnicki lot. Same thing will happen with, with things going forward, you know? I mean, I used to go to that show, too. So you have, I mean, did you see American Iron Magazine folded this week? Did not. Yeah. Well, there's one custom motorcycle magazine on the planet. Cycle Source? Cycle Source Magazine, Chris and Heather Callen, and they are getting it done somehow. God love you. I like them. The Callens, I love, I don't know Heather as well as I know Chris, but I've known Chris since way back when. Seemed to have a blast with it when he uh, when he ran my Angel of Death bike. I love those people, and Heather's Heather's fantastic. She's been nothing but gold to me. So, and I've started writing for them, which I'm really stoked about because I love to write. Nice. Yeah. So I had my first ep, uh, first issue, my first tech article came out this last issue. So I'm pretty stoked. About oh, I that. did see that. Yeah, I did see that. Very nice. Yep. So we're gonna do. Hopefully, have another one here next next month, and just keep it keep it going, keep it rolling. I you know. Those types of things, they have, we have to buy those magazines as supporters, and people have to contribute for content, right. and we can keep it going. So yeah, I like that magazine. I was in that magazine. Like in, in your, a bike feature? Not like, no, hell no. But I had my picture taken, was put in there. It was like, because um, I wrecked in 2017, and I actually went to Bike Week in March. Right. And just to have some fun, we took the bikes up there at Willie's, and I was starting my green bike leaving, and somebody snapped a picture of me, and it was in Cycle Source. That's cool. It was. There's the the picture. Uh, Brian sent that to me. So hey, man, I don't know if you know, but uh, you're in Cycle Source. No shit. I'll tell you a funny story about that. So I was in Cycle Source. Me, Paul Bareknuckle. He probably doesn't even want me to tell this story, but anyway, we were having a little bit too much fun in 08 Bike Week. And uh, we, before we were, 
escorted out of the establishment we were in, we were having a lot of fun in there with the, the security team. And I'll just leave it at that. Establishment? Yeah. <laughs> and there's pictures of us in Cycle Source magazine in the throws, and there's like a bunch of security guards have Paul, and, and he is throwing people around like rag dolls. Uh, there's a picture I got. You can see me with the JR Psychworks. I got one of the guys by the collar. I mean, it's just we're getting down to Josh Kirby's. They're in Cycle Source. Awesome. Yeah. So, so we're at a, we're at an hour and a half. Oh shit. Yeah. So, hey, um, I appreciate you coming over and doing this. We'll have to do this again uh, when when you're less talkative. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we're, gonna, we're gonna turn the recorder off, and you're gonna be chatty, Kathy. Uh, tell everybody where they can check you out online. <clears throat> Instagram at Hendrixbilt, H-E-N-D-R-I-X-B-I-T-L-T. And you're not going to be at Sturgis, but you're at, we've established, you are, will be at Daytona. You're always at Willie's, right? You've done yeah, well we'll at Willie's. Yeah, we'll be at Willie's. I'm going, um, we're actually going right in the mountains. Okay. Um, before Biketoberfest. Okay. And then we're going to load up and come back. Oh, so you'll be at Willie's for the fall rally too. Yes. Excellent. And we can see you December 5th and 6th at the yes. Helen, or not Helen Wheels, the CF Wheels of Steel, the Central Florida Wheels of Steel, Wheels of Steel Indoor Custom Motorcycle Show at the RP Funding Center in downtown Lakeland. So <laughs> Good times. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming over. I appreciate yeah, it. I had a blast. Eating pizza with me and <laughs> drinking Crown Royal and talking my ear off. I can't feel my feet. What was in that bottle? <laughs> History eraser button. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you. All right, so we just decided we're just going to keep going because we're having a good time. So what we're, I'll just start there. That's fine. Right. So at the time, at the time I was working. So when I started, when I was in high school, I started working for Ram Chargers. Have you ever heard of Ram Chargers? Yes. So the Ram Chargers were pioneers in the drag racing uh, scene, and it was all Mopar stuff. And they had the guys who were the original Ram Chargers dudes had a seven seven or eight speed shops around Detroit and Toledo, right? And it was the Ram Chargers Performance Automotive Centers, and I worked there in high school. So I had, like, it was the king ding-a-ling job to have in high school. You know what I mean? I right. mean, all my dudes I hung out with were gearheads, and anybody that was cool to me in Detroit was a gearhead. You know, street cars and shit. I love street racing. Like, that's, that's my, in anything I've ever done, Watching street racing in the middle of the night in Detroit in the summertime, that is the most, I mean, that, that's me to a T. I love that. I could do it for hours. I would stand there on the side of the road just watching cars go by. I mean, I love it. It was the most, it was the coolest thing to me that anybody's ever done, ever invented. It's every bit as cool as motorcycles, and sometimes I think it's cooler. Well, so I had a, I started, I was a parts guy. And back then they didn't have the internet. And so when you worked at an auto parts store, you had to learn the catalogs. Right. And, dude, there was – do you remember going into an auto parts store and there would be catalog racks and there would be two levels? And those catalogs didn't always have pictures in them, like a TRW catalog or a Federal Mogul catalog or a sealed power catalog. There were numbers. You had to know nomenclature. You had to know your engine families. You had to know what an FE was. You had to know an FE was a 360, a 390, a 427, a 428. I still remember all of it. All of it, dude. I can tell you part numbers, Edelbrock part numbers. An Edelbrock 7101 is a performer RPM for a small box Chevy. A 2101 is a performer for a small box Chevy. You know, a 5001 is a torque or two for a small box. You know, like I, or 5101. 5102 is the cam part number. I mean, 
1405 is the car. 1406 is 600. 1405 is a 500. 1407 is a 750 four barrel. You know, like I just remember all that shit because I learned it the hard way. You had to fucking learn it, and you had to write everything by hand. There was no computers. So when somebody would come in and buy a bunch of hot rod parts, you'd be filling out this little thing. Three, you know, push hard. You're making three copies, eight lines. People buying KMs and lifters and intakes and carbs and distributors and all that shit. Well, so in high school, I worked for Ram Chargers. Then when I got out of, when I quit working at Ram Chargers, I went to school. While I was going to Ram Chargers, the year I was out of high school, the first year I was out of high school, I went to radio school. I went to learn to be a disc jockey, radio, television production, Specsauer School of Broadcast Arts. I did that for a year. Well, as soon as I got done with school, I went right back to Ram Chargers. And I was there one day. And this dude calls me that evening from school, and he's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm working. He's like, well, yeah, I get that, but what are you, you going to do? Like, you know, you got this, you just graduated from radio school. Are you not going to do that? And I'm like, um, I don't really give a fuck, you know. It's not what I was into. I went to school. I'm glad I got out of the way. Now I can do what I want to do. Well, so he's like, dude, you got you to at least try it. And so I'm like, fuck, okay. So I go on a radio interview. I get the job to be on, on the air. I had to move like three hours from home. I had two cars at the time. I had a hot rod and my regular car. You know, I mean, all the things, the requisite things that I needed back then. And I did that for like, fuck, three months, four months. Um, it sucked. I made $3.35 an hour. I had to have my own apartment. I lived four hours from my girlfriend, who's now my wife today. You know, I was like, I don't, there was no car people out there. I'm like, I don't want to do this. It sucks. So I went back home and I got a job at Super Shops. Do you remember Super Shops? They were down here. Yes. We had 165 stores. Yeah, I do remember them. So I was like one of the youngest assistant managers, store managers that they had ever had. I'm 19 years old, dude, and I got the keys to a fucking multi-million dollar operation. And they had computers. And they were, t- they were techie, right? And so they taught me even more shit. So by the time I got into, got into motorcycles. You were a shoe-in. It was it was it was an easy thing. It was like okay, these are just motorcycle parts, not car parts, right? <clears throat> so I knew how to break down part numbers, how all that works. Still do, and uh, it's funny how my brain works. Like I'll look at tires, like I'll look at a whole line of Bridgestone tires, and it'll be a you know an eighty-eight one nine is a one eighty sixty-five sixteen, an eighty-eight one seven. You know what I mean? Like you just it's you're you're conditioned to know that. And so I sit there for hours. I bought that Harley, and it was still wintertime almost. So it's, you know, it's so cold. And I had kids, and I had this Harley. And, dude, I would ride it to work and freeze my fucking balls off. I've got, you know, I got, like, dress slacks and loafers and a polo shirt with my leather jacket. Oh, no. And so I'd ride that to work, and it got to the point where it just overtook my whole life. And as soon as I got home, it was just, you know, Sit there, look at that catalog, look at that catalog, look at that catalog, buy parts and that. So that was in 03. Summertime of 03, my dad and I ended up making, I mean, we ended up being best friends. We rode together all the time. My mom and dad rode with me, and my wife started riding, and we rode from Detroit to Niagara Falls and Buffalo, New York, and came back. We did all this riding. And uh, at the end of the summer, I sold that Sportster to someone in Alabama, for three grand more than I paid for it. Jeez. That's how different the market was then. You know what I mean? You could sell a bike that you rode all year for more money than what you paid for. Yeah, can't do that now. Ever. You'll never be able to do that again. And that's the kind of thing that I think should change with Harley. Well, so I sold I sold that bike. I 
bought a 91 FLHS, which is a precursor to a Road King. Road King. Got the battery, the weird bag on the right side where the battery's kind of in in that. Oh, we have bucket. one. We have an 86. Yeah, so you know what I'm, exactly what I'm talking about. 86 Ultra or Electric Glide, I think it is. We and Dad call it our backup bagger. It's got right. no power, but it rides like an old Cadillac. Yeah, yeah. It's got a little 80-inch in it with a shitty can carburetor. Shitty starter. Yep, it's got the king, 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 king. It sounds like a, it's not even like a good shovelhead starter noise, you know? It sounds like a, I might fucking not work. You might not be leaving today. Yeah. So I buy that bike. Winter gets here. And my dad and I started, we started selling. My wife's aunt owned a screen printing company. When I bought my bike, my father-in-law went and bought a bike too. He bought a Kawasaki, and he was relentless. He used to just ride my ass about having a Harley. How much better his Kawasaki was, how much faster it was, how much it... I didn't give a shit. I don't care about that stuff. It was Kawasaki, and I'm not riding a fucking Kawasaki. So anyway... I'd ride a KZ-1000. That's different. That's That's totally different, dude. That's That's totally different. So anyway, we... Karen's aunt had a silk screening company, and because she could... Buy garments. She could buy leather garments for biker stuff. And there was a company called Carol Leathers. I don't even know if they're in business. They could still be in business, and I not even know it. So my dad took the Carol catalog, Carol Leathers catalog, and he took it to work. And he filled out an order with everybody at work. You know, hey, I'm I'm gonna I got this new catalog. I can get this stuff wholesale because my wife's aunt wasn't marking it up. So we were buying leather jackets for 80 bucks and reselling them for 130, 140, but we did enough of them to where it paid for all of us to get all leather jackets, all the leather jackets, all new leather jackets, you know, and assless chaps and fucking, you know what I mean? All the shit that you get when you first start riding. I don't have those. You don't, you never had it? No. Well, in Michigan, you, in Michigan, you, you have a set of chaps. Most people do. You have to. I don't, I won't wear them anymore, but, um, so we, we started, and all this, my uncle, my wife, or my, my uncle, my mom's sister's brother says, you guys should start a bike shop. You should just start a business. You should call it JR Cycle Works. And he drew a logo and gave it to us. He's like, you should, you should do this. So we made little business cards, and we started selling. We, everywhere I'd go, we'd just take this leather catalog with us, and we'd sell leathers. And, you know, when we were going to, a bike night or something, we start make, talking to people, and there, there weren't bike shops. And dude, 03 is not that long ago, but this business was so different in 03. It really was. I mean, overnight, it went from a couple of bike shops in a town, and they were old, gruff, graybeard shops with mean people running them, working shitty, working on shitty ass old motorcycles to Overnight, people were popping up in the business, and I'm no different. I mean, I got into it right when everybody else did. The only difference is I never left. But I just, it was like, okay, so we have all these leathers. My dad was getting laid off. I'm like, why don't we just rent a spot? We'll go rent a spot. We'll open JR Cycle Works, and we'll just sell parts. Like every, every hot rod shop I worked at, they didn't do installs. They just sold the parts. So in my dumb brain, I'm thinking, well, it's the same thing. People work on their own motorcycles. So we'll just open 
a parts store that's a motorcycle parts store, but we won't do any service. So, again, this is before the, the proficiency level had increased on uh, computer stuff. So we call up Drag Specialties. Hey, we want to be a dealer. Do you have a location? Yes, we have a location. Where's your location? We tell him. He goes, okay, I'll be by there to see it. So we meet him there. He's like, okay, you can sell parts. Here's your book. You have to spend $8,500. Well, the drag catalog didn't have parts, didn't have prices in it. I'm like, well, how much is all this? I mean, I don't know how much stuff costs. He goes, just fill out an order, fax it over to me. I'll price it out for you. Okay? That's weird. That's weird, right? Yeah. He wouldn't give us a price, a price book. I'm like, we need a price book. He's like, mm-mm. Because you fill out an order. Now, had I known that, had I known what I know now, then I would have just ordered an engine. You know what I mean? Because I could have bought an SNS motor and, like, you know, a Baker Trans and spent eight grand. But I didn't. I fucking sat down. And just like I had done before, I had a new catalog now. And the fat book was still, back then, it was still this, th- you know, inch Double and a half, two inches thick. Yeah, it's bigger now. And I just sat there and page by page page. So what the first thing I did was ordered, we were using my credit card to start the company. So I ordered everything I wanted for my bike. Okay. Exhaust, rocker boxes, levers, cables, bup, 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 gaskets, all that stuff. Then we ordered a couple of exhaust systems, a couple of these, a couple of this, a couple, you know what I mean? Until we had what we, what we thought was enough shit and uh, so we ended up getting this room full of shit and it was dude this building was over 100 years old it was in a place called Plymouth Michigan it was in an area town called the lower town the old depot part of town and there was no bathroom in this building in our shop it was literally like just a room in a building with other rooms, and there was, like, a community bathroom. There was, like, a nail salon on one side, <laughs> like a travel agency on the other side, and then us in the middle. Yeah, the bike shop in the middle. Not, a, but We weren't a bike shop. We were, I, I mean, I don't even know what you'd call us. A parts store. We were just a parts store. The people started coming. We, had, we ordered T-shirts and leather and this, and we didn't know what to get, so we just got a bunch of everything. Build that place up, made it look cool. We opened December 3rd of 2003. Yeah, yeah and then my dad just never went back to work. Too much fun. Yeah, never went back to work. Motorcycles is a nice outlet. Dude, it's it's been, it's changed my life. You know, when we took that picture there that's on that postcard. That was in 2010. So that was 10 years ago that we took those pictures. And I just moved down here, just opened a shop down here. And I'd been in the business at that point. That was seven years. And I was like, God, I put seven years into this. That's a lot of time. And then now it's 10 years later, you know? Time flies. Yeah, fuck, it does, dude. Amazing. Yep. Been through a lot of shit. I, I miss my dad. I, I wished he had been here. My dad would have fucking loved this building. This would have, oh. My dad loved this business. My dad loved this business. No, he, he loved my mom. He loved my kids. He loved my sister and I. But he loved this business. The business then you? No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But I'm just saying, like he, this, this was his, this was his calling. It really was. This was his calling was to be in this business. 
he would he would talk to anyone and was good at it. He wasn't he wasn't the the most adept parts numbering guy. He wasn't the he wasn't I remember. He was a face and you were the parts guy. Yeah, I remember when we had that first little shop. And some guy came in and wanted a price on wheels and tires. And my dad like looked in the book and then wrote the part numbers and the prices down. And he just kind of sat back down. He goes, it's $3,000 for wheels. I was like, yeah. Rims, tires, everything? Yeah, he says, who do people, who spends that money? I said, that's what it costs. And that's why I remember, I remember having the conversation with him where he's like, I can't do it. He goes, I can't do that. He goes, I can't sell. I can't sell somebody a set of wheels and tires for $3,000. I said, look. I said, I'm going to teach you how to sell. I said, it's not your, rule number one, it's not your fucking money. Don't ever count another man's money, ever. Because that is the, that is the number one rule of sales, hands down, you will always be wrong. Not, not now. I know if somebody has money or not. People who have money, people who have real money, don't talk about having money, ever. They never talk about money. People who have a lot of money, people that are like extremely wealthy, they don't ask you what something costs. They already know. They don't care. By the time they know, they care more than they care more than people who don't have money. People who don't have money don't care how much something costs, right? The poor person, I mean, I know plenty of people that have motorcycles that cost more than their house. Jeez. Because that's what they care about, right? It's not, it's, it's, they just don't give a shit. That's their priority. Their priorities are off. Different than mine, not That's all. how it is in Winter Haven. You'll see people with big-ass trucks in a single-wide mobile home. Exactly. You got an $80,000 truck in a $30,000 house yeah. <laughs> on a piece of property that you don't even fucking own sometimes. You know what I mean? Right. So those people, they don't care how much something costs for their truck. The only reason that they care how much something costs for their truck so they know how many hours they have to work in order to pay for it. You understand what I'm saying? Gotcha. But... I can tell, I can have a conversation with people just because, and this is not, I'm just telling you, like, I have been a salesman since I was 17 years old, like, professionally. I know how to sell. I've sold in a corporate environment. I've sold in a retail environment. I've sold in a wholesale environment. Shit, I used to work for a company. I was a director of marketing sales for Livernoy Vehicle Development in 2000, and I used to have to go to meetings inside Ford Motor Company with bids and stuff, millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of stuff. Like, I've, I'm not real adept at That's not my, my most adept strength, but I've been in those situations so I can, I can draw from them. You know what I mean? But selling somebody something, the art of, of sales is number, the number one rule I always tell people when you're learning, never count somebody's money. And even when you're, when you're selling, you shouldn't count somebody's money, even when you know what you're doing. It, when you really know what you're doing, it doesn't matter. And you know why it doesn't matter? Because you don't set the price. Ultimately, the retail price is set by the manufacturer. I don't set the retail price. 
I'm not the one that says that a set of Vance and Hines pipes should be $5.99. Vance and Hines says that. Now, JP Cycles might be whoring them out down the road for $79 bucks, or $79 less. You know, maybe $439 <laughs> or whatever. Boy, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Or $429. But that ain't got anything to do with me. You want to buy them for that? Go down to JP Cycles. You know what I'm saying? That's just the way it is. I'm like, I, I can only pay for this place one fucking way, and it's making money. And if I buy a set of pipes for $400... And sell them to you for four hundred and twenty dollars, not you, but a customer. I'm not fucking doing it for twenty dollars. Right. I'm not gonna fucking do it. Go down there, and and eventually I won't be here if that's the way it's gonna go. If we're gonna Amazon the world, you know what I'm saying? You know, I had a guy. I've had a couple people in the last few months. They come in here and they're asking me all these fucking questions, and then they're telling me they bought everything online, and then I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like that's bullshit. I, you know, well, why aren't you going to give me a deal? What do you mean? Give you a deal on what? I didn't set the price. Yeah, but I can buy it over here for that. Yeah, but you're not getting this. Go call them assholes. You know, I love it when they fucking supply their own parts and they're wrong. I fucking love it. I fucking love it. When you bring me a bunch of parts and I charge you, I had a guy, this is a great story, and I love this story, and if people think I'm a fucking asshole, they can lick my ass. <laughs> is... I had a dude call me up, talk my ear off for a good, a legitimate, like I'm not exaggerating, 20 minutes. Will this work? What about this? I've got this. Can I do this? Can you do that? What about this? It was He was putting bars on his bike. So he's fact-finding, fact-finding, fact-finding. Well, I've been doing this long enough, selling, that I know when someone's fact-finding for something that they already bought. I already know. When you're calling me up asking me if this part number will work, the only reason you know what the part number is because you're looking at the box. You know what I'm saying? Right. You don't know part numbers. So I'm like, look, you can come in here if you want, and I will do a consultation with you, but I'm, this phone conversation is over with. We're not, I'm not doing this over the phone. There's lots of different options. I will be happy to help you select the right parts for your bike, but you'll do it here in my showroom. I'm not, I'm not going to continue this phone call. Well, I'm super busy. I go, well, so am I. Is tomorrow afternoon good for you, or do you want to come in the morning after? But I'm not doing this on the phone no more. Okay, so he comes in. Sure shit, he's already got his own bars. He's already got this. He's already got that. So I do an estimate for him, and the estimate says right there, outside parts, $20. He goes, what is this outside parts charge? I go, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's an outside parts charge. Well, you're going to charge me for not buying parts here? I go, mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, what's that got to do with, or he, I, I go, you didn't buy the parts from me. I go, it's a punishment. I'm punishing you. I'm charging you more money because you want me to be responsible for those parts and how they fit. And he goes, well, what's that got to do with me? I go, you didn't buy the parts from me. I go, you fucking talked my ear off for 20 minutes on the phone. I get 96 bucks an hour. You wasted a good portion of that. So that's what you're paying for. You didn't buy the parts from me. When you buy parts from me, I don't charge you for consultation services. But when you don't buy parts from me and you use me for consultation services, I'm fucking charging you. I will get fucking paid. I said, you're standing in a 2,000-square-foot fucking showroom full of motorcycle parts. That ain't free, homie. You know what I mean? He's like, whoa, you know, da, 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 da. I go, I don't, look, I don't care. Do you want it or don't you? So he comes and he's scheduled. He's going to bring his bike in. He's going to supply the bars. And so he needs it by Saturday morning. 
So we start doing it. Sure as shit. He bought the wrong bars. They're, it needs risers. So I call him, and I'm like, hey, where are you at? Oh, I'm doing, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I go, well, guess what? These fucking bars don't work, man. You know, and they're already wired. They're already, we've already plumbed them, which doesn't take much to plumb them, but we already had everything set, you know? It's a Road King. Road King have inch and a half bars now. And these were inch and a quarter bars stepped down to one inch. So I said, do you either need risers? He goes, you can't put spacers in there? I go, no, you can't put spacers in there. Not safe. If you would have bought the bars for me, you'd be, hey, you'd have the right bars. We wouldn't be having this conversation. Well, what can you do? So I ended up selling them. I had a set of, I, I had a set of wild one risers that were stepped down for that. It's specifically for that. That's what I told him. I'm like, you know, and, and dude, whoever put, I think Ray Charles wired the bars that were on there the last time before that. It was the worst job I'd ever seen. The stereo system, it was junk. And I'm just like, you know what, man? And he, he, when he picked his bike up for me, he goes, hey, I got to tell you something. I go, okay. He goes, you got, or he, he goes, uh, do you have a military discount? I go, no, I don't have a military discount. I'm not doing that. I don't have any, I love the military. My dad was fucking a Marine. The guys, that, both the guys that work here for me are military. I'm not going to, I'm not a discount guy. I'm not going to discount it because of across the board. You want to work out a deal with me? We'll work out a deal. But I'm not just going to say, oh, you know what? Come to me because I'm cheaper. I said, I'm not the cheapest guy. I'm not the fast guy. Nobody's better than me. There's no, I firmly believe that. There isn't a bike shop on the planet that does better work than us. There's plenty that do as good of work as us. But no one's better than us. We're as good as it gets. You know what I mean? Because we know what we don't know. We know we don't know how to do something. We job that out to the best person we can find. You know what I mean? We stand behind all of our work. So anyway, he goes... He goes, you should have a military discount. I told him, no, we're not doing that. And he didn't like that. And then uh, he goes, and you need to, you, you come in too hot. I said, dude, you get what you get. Uh, I'm not, he goes, you know, you, you really come at me with that, you know, that, that the, the thing about, you know, the outside parts. And I said, dude, fuck off. Like, legit. I, I, you're not going to make, one person's not going to make me or break me, but People, if I deal with enough people that have this guy's mindset, I won't be in business. You know how I used to go to the old Harley shops back in the day? Yeah, and they real were, dealership? They or? were so rude. Oh, yeah, Especially dude. if you were young. Mm-hmm. You knew you weren't buying anything. And then uh, when you get older and you're doing bike stuff and you see over the past, over the years, you see people that ask the dumbest questions and, you, and these guys get annoyed. Yep. I get it. Yeah, dude. You know, that, and that guy that was pestering you about stuff, I had. You remember Jerry at X-Tex? I know who he is, yeah. Nice guy, man, old guy. I called him a yard gnome because he was only about four and a half foot tall with a right. long beard. And that was me going in, not totally that guy, but I would go in there and feeling out parts, and then mm-hmm. I, but I would buy from him. Yep. And then he would come by, and I showed him some bikes I've done, and he's like, man, those are badass. Bro. I want to see him, bring him up here. So he saw that. He said, man, you can come by here anytime. You know, come in, hang out, whatever. But a couple of times I'd come in there, he would be, wasn't in a good mood. And he would go, not today. Okay, see you, to- <laughs> see yep. you another day. Yeah, and the same thing, it's funny because the same thing happened to me at Stevenson Cycle. Do you know who Steve is from Stevenson Cycle? Yes. Okay, that is Been like. Been around for a while. Well, since ever. So when I was growing up, that's who did the work on my dad's bike. Okay. So he didn't, he didn't know me because I wasn't into bikes at the time. So when I bought my Harley, 
I started going into his bike shop. It was right by my dealership. And I caught myself going in there asking questions that I already knew the answer to so that I didn't sound like a fucking moron, you know? And I always found myself being real, real, like, timid around him. Well, then when we decided... Because he knows so much. He does. And he's real aggressive. (laughs) This is back in 2003. This is almost 20 years ago. He's an old man now. But he was he was kind of a miserable codger back then. And I mean he knows I love him. When my dad passed away, he was the first one to call me. You know, he said the most wonderful things. He's like, he goes, you know, your your dad loves you. Your dad was proud of you. I'm proud of you. You know what I mean? Like good stuff. Well, so I went to his shop and I said, Hey, I just want to let you know that we're gonna open a shop. This is where it's gonna be. This is I'm not trying to take anybody's business. I'm just trying to I wanna be in this business. And you know what he did? He fucking shook my hand. He goes, you know what? He goes, I appreciate that. He goes, as long as you do it right and you're not doing it out of your house, you can come here anytime. And I'm one of very few people that can walk right in that shop, walk right in the back. I don't. But if I, walk, if I walked in that shop, just walked right in the back, nobody would say anything. But I still, to this day, won't walk back there without being invited. And he's like, what are you doing? Get your ass, you know, like get your. He'll put me to work if I'm there too long, you know. And and I, I love that. And he's always full of knowledge. He's always willing to help me. He's always willing to tell me. And those are the kinds of things that, those are the. That's the kind of person I want to be. I remember reading his articles mm-hmm. way back in the horse. Yes. Uh, that's the kind of that's the kind of person I'm trying to be in this industry. I'm trying to be somebody. I'm never going to be a Billy Lane. I'm never going to be a Warren Lane. I'm never going to be a Jesse James. I'm never going to be an Aaron Green. I'm never going to be, you know, these guys are, those guys are my heroes. I'm never going to be an Arlen Ness. I'm never going to be a Bill Dodge, right? Those guys are my heroes. But here's what I can tell you about all those dudes. Billy Lane, Warren Lane, Aaron Green, Bill Dodge, Jesse James. I know all those dudes. They all know who I am. And that's what I want. They all know I'm a solid guy. They all treat me with respect when they see me. You know, some of them give me a big hug when they see me. Others, you know, get a good fist bump. But I'm, I respect them. They respect me. And that's all I want. When this thing, when this ride's over with, to be one of those footnotes, you know? Right. Where people are like, oh, that was a good dude. He was fucking talented. He knew what he was doing. He wasn't full of shit. He didn't lie. He didn't cheat. He never took anybody's money. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's, the, kind of, that's the kind of cat I want to be. Nothing wrong with that. I want to be that old dude that people bring me shit, and I'm like, oof. Man, I haven't seen an M8 in 10 years. You know what I mean? Like, be that old-ass motherfucker. So. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I just just love to be in this. Involved somehow, some way. You are. What's preventing you from doing it, like, for a real deal? Just going out because I have so much. Mortgage, family, kids, braces. To step out and just start something new. That's why I kind of like the way I have it. It's just here and there. Build something cool. My buddy Chino from, he's a tattoo artist down in the Keys. He brought me a bunch of stuff. And he said, when you get ready, do one. So he brought me a Sportster, a frame that I'm not going to use. And she brought me so much stuff. I'm like, you're not, you're not set on using all this stuff, right? <laughs> I'm already making changes. <laughs> So it's just, uh, I just love, it. I mean, my first bicycle was custom built. Mm-hmm. I built myself. Second one was green with white polka dots. You know, something different. Right. So it's just everything. 
my first truck was a low rider, a customizer, you know. It was so low it took out reflectors in the road. When it parked in the yard, it left a burn mark of the exhaust. Really? In the grass. Yeah. So then another was it a Chevy? Was, uh, it was old, man. 84 Mazda B2000. Oh, yeah. So it looked like a Ford Courier. Yep. So me and my dad cut the back of the cab out beneath the window, uh-huh. fiberglassed in a box for stereo system because there had no room inside the cab. So it's just I've always just customized at whatever I could do. And my first bike, my dad said, this is before cell phones, of course, because it's way back. And he called me. He goes, hey, did you sell your bike? I said, no, it got stolen. He goes, oh, he said, I saw some bum riding it. And I'm like, man, that sure looks like Scott's bike. <laughs> he never got it back? No. That's funny. It was a mongoose. Oh. Anodized red and polished. You know what's funny? I was really into BMX, and I did the same thing with BMX bikes that I do with motorcycles. I like other people's parts, you know? Yep. And so I just use them. You know, I'm okay with not being innovative. I'm okay with not being a creator. I'm okay with them. I'm a good mechanic. And I I've like always been a good stuff mechanic. That you wouldn't think like that first bike I did, mm-hmm. I built an oil tank from an exhaust pipe yeah. dump truck yeah. and two Volvo diesel pistons. And that was the oil tank. So there's so much out there that you can use, you know, a, a lawnmower piston for a jockey shift, you know, on one bike. It's just, I did a, I made a piston for air cleaner mm-hmm. with a screen inside, mount it to a, an old carburetor. So, yeah, I don't have a frame jig. I don't build my own frames. I don't make my own fenders. I do no. like making my own handlebars. Do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To get that look. Right. Well, buddy, it's 9 o'clock. I'm going to head over to the house and... Shut it down. Shut her down. Shut her down. <laughs> <laughs> so that's like part 1.1 1. 1 or one and a half. <laughs> Good times. Yeah. You have been listening to the Power Wheels podcast. Your host... Jason Holman. Thank you for listening.